Hello and welcome to another episode of EDM Obscura. Today we are joined by EDM producer Hero, H-I-R-O, and my new co-host. We're trying a few out. You know, we're seeing, you know, we're seeing how it works with the co-host, you know, doing some experimenting, which, you know, you're supposed to do in college, but this is, you know, this is, this is the college years, I think, of the podcast right now. You know, it's wild, it's crazy, and, you know, we're having some fun with some strangers, which isn't that what college is all about. Um, I got some new music coming to you guys soon. A few weeks here, got a little EP action coming. The conclusion of the Sync Discord server's EP challenge. To be rolling out some fun stuff with that. Um, I could really use some guests for this thing, if anyone wants to come on. If anyone also wants to review the podcast, give me some likes and subscribes and whatnot. I don't, I don't know, I don't know how you, I don't know how that works, but like definitely some like Apple reviews would be cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just, I'm just rambling here, but, um, that's kind of what this podcast is. So I think you're here with me for it. Uh, it was a good conversation with Vadis and Hero. Um, some real fun, some very woke opinions being voiced. So get ready for those. And yeah, I hope you enjoy. And we got a little song from Hero at the end. You know, what more could, what more, what more do you want from the audience? So welcome, Hero. How's it going? Good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Do you get, want to give people a little background on what you do? Yeah, so, uh, you know, I'm just an EDM producer and a, a DJ. Um, I'm 24 years old. I like producing more like future pop and uh, future trap stuff, along with like house. Um, I'm a big fan of like... You know, 90 sounding house like uh uh just like the older deep house and tech house and garage house but i don't know when i came up with the hero moniker um i was creating a lo-fi at first and i don't know i it just didn't feel like you know that's what the hero moniker should stand for it just stand for something that i could put my emotions into um, right right yeah something that like when I listen to like Porter Robinson or Mattyon, I know the sound like that name is attached to that sound. Yeah. 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 And that's kind of what I, what I want to do with my name. You know, I didn't want it just to be like some just like one off thing. Like, um, right. Like uh, a name that doesn't really fit like an artist. I would say maybe like DJ snake is one. Yeah. Um, that one does make a lot of sense. I mean, I kind of, yeah. I kind of think the same way about my name when I sort of am looking at producing sort of more emotional stuff. Like, I think that this is a terrible moniker for doing that under. Uh, not really. It, when I think of hypotech, I just think of maybe like techno or some like form of like darker house music. Okay. I can see that. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I just didn't want like a name to be like associated with like, uh like bass heavy stuff you know like excision or something 
Right. Something with like just a bunch of X, Y's and Z's and sort of a randomly juxtaposed order, as is kind of the case for most contemporary neurofunk producers. Yeah. And um Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I just thought Hero was really something that I could like resonate with just because uh I was a big fan of like uh guitar hero and when I was like in, in my rock phase, but then I got into DJing before I got into producing. And then um I found out about DJ Hero and you know I like those rhythm game and so I got it once DJ Hero 2 came out and it was like it had already been out for a while because I got it for like super yeah, yeah. cheap. And like that's how I really, really got into like uh DJing and then producing. I was like, oh cool, I want to make this stuff. So I just like so your came. name if when you're DJing is literally DJ Hero. No, I I I dropped the DJ. I hate the word DJ. I hate the word DJ so much. Like why? Why is that? Talk talk to me. Because when I think of DJ, I think of someone that's like just like a an asshole, you know, just like a DJ Poly D or something. Because I've known a lot of like smaller DJs that have their heads up their ass, and they're just like so right. conceited. And like at first, I thought it was like, oh, maybe it's just like a a DJ that plays at a club, you know, he thinks that he's so fucking cool because he's hitting play and stuff. But then I went to like this EDM party and there's a guy playing on Ableton. I guess he was like preparing a set or something. Just working like yeah, on yeah. the last minute track. I was like, oh, hey, dude, what's up? And then he was like, just like got so angry at me. I was kind of drunk, so I don't remember it, but I remember he was being extremely rude. I was like, wow, what a prick. Well, I think most people, when you sort of approach them about what they do in like a party setting, would kind of react that way, to be honest. Yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, I, I've been like that sometimes, but that's only if like someone like that's like belligerently drunk is doing well, that. You but, said you were at least mildly drunk, so I'm going to assume you meant you were blacked out and, you know, throwing, I guess, literal human feces at him. Oh, no, 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 no. I was just like intoxicated, but I've, I just, I, when people I, are like belligerent, that's when I get angry when I'm I, DJing. Yeah. Think, oh, uh, uh, we have a, a co-host here. Mr. Vadis. Do. Yeah. I, I think it, it, it depends on the DJ. I mean, I, I actually work for a DJ company for weddings and uh, those are some of the greatest guys that I know. So I, I feel like that's like a different vibe though. Yeah. Oh yeah, no. I, yeah, club club DJs are are tough to get along with, but th there are small DJs out there that do not uh, act in the manner that you're describing. Yeah, I, right. I think it, it really depends, like um, on the setting, because like for like a wedding thing or like in a like like let's say like a school event, you know, you have to be professional to some degree, just because you you know. Um, you know, for a wedding, it's it's clearly a personal thing for a school event. I'm pretty sure they'll be like, oh, don't play any songs with like vulgar words on it. Because that's what, you know, I had to do. And I like censor, you know, my music and stuff. Right, right. Uh, even, even even at weddings, I mean, most of the time they don't they don't want the explicit versions of songs. So, yeah. Yeah, but like a club party, it's it's a lot different. But yeah, well, can't believe like now that I think about it. I feel like maybe once or twice I was at DJ, but I know when I'm DJing like at a like at parties, I've had a couple of people come up to me, but I was never like really rude. I've had like a bunch of people come and be like, "Oh, dude, can you play my songs?" And it's just like, I mean, I'm playing through Serato. You want me to play it off SoundCloud, and then you get angry. 
with like super Jesus. drunk girls like come up to me and like I remember one girl tried to like dump her beer on my stuff. I don't know what she was trying to accomplish, but well, just I mean, I, what pardon me for interrupting. Isn't having drunk girls come up to you like 90% of the reason you would be DJing in the first place? I mean, I'm not, I don't produce and DJ, you know, for fame or money. Like I, I don't, I don't give a but shit. I, what about women? No, 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 no. I, I would like I would never name my song after a girl. I would never make a song like for a girl. You know, it's just not my thing, you know. Right, like maybe not like, you know, like a you know, a, a underage like a girl, but like what about like a woman? Oh no, yeah, no, no girls, women, just no females in general. Just like what about what about guys? I mean, no no, here. no, no guys either. It's music that's personal to me, you know. Right, but I mean, your relationships with people tend to be the sort of most universal theme, especially in, you know, I guess like future pop and future uh, trap and stuff. That seems to be like a large amount of the, uh, what you call it, subject matter that you're limiting yourself from. Yeah, I mean, obviously I can, I can write lyrics that, you know, reference that stuff, but I mean, I wouldn't have to be like, oh, you know, this is like personal to me, you know? Like a like a majority of rap, where they're they're like, oh, you know, I'm doing this and this, but in reality, they're not. You know. Well, let me offer you a counterpoint there. If the music isn't for fame or money or or to attract women, and it's also like not per- personal to you, then what, what's the, what's what what's your end game? No, I'm saying like it, it's personal to me. I'm just saying like I wouldn't write personally a song about someone else. Gotcha. Just make it personal to me. Right, you know? right. Yeah. Because even then, I think people could you know, still resonate and, you know, relate to the songs regardless. I could put in my experiences with, like, other people in songs. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah. like, writing directly about one person maybe isn't something people do so much anymore. But you kind mm-hmm. of, like, I like to, like, write lyrically, at least in vignettes, where you're sort of, like, you're sort of describing an event in kind of a universal way rather than like talking about something like as a whole. Yeah. Um, yeah. So where do you, where do you come to us from? Uh, from Virginia, from like Virginia. Yeah. Northern Virginia. Northern Virginia. Very top. Close to DC. Gotcha. Yeah. So. Yep. And what is the uh, what is the production culture like in Northern Virginia? I mean, obviously in DC, I can imagine it's quite good. Oh yeah, it's 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 huge. Um, it's just it's a lot of like rap producers and a lot of uh, rappers. Um, hold on. And um, yeah, so I think this is sort of time to maybe do a formal introduction that. You know, guys, be here as the uh, co-host intermittently. Oh, my bad. I was uh, hey, man. interrupted. What's going on? <laughs> but yeah, as you were saying, Kiro. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry, someone's just knocking on my door. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just like a lot of rap producers and all this stuff. Um, I've only like come across a couple EDM producers. Um, I know there's this one famous DJ here who like play. He's like open for like a ton of artists and he says he produces music, but I went on his SoundCloud and I 
didn't find i only found like one song he somehow like managed to play a festival i guess because he's a really good dj but uh, yeah i mean if he has like curatorial and marketing skills i mean i don't think you need to produce original music yeah Um, Um, i recently heard the argument that there are too many songs like we need less salt we need less songs as a per capita how do you feel about that um i don't know that's that's kind of I don't I don't want to be mean, but I feel like that's that's kind of dumb just because, you know, music is going to keep growing. I don't think we should put a limit on creativity. We, I mean, we can't be like, oh, there's too much art. We got to limit, uh, you know, the amount of art people make. Right. But what if the argument is that the creativity in the work is limited? So that's why we should limit the amount of creative work that's happening. Well, I mean, music is subjective, so I could listen to like uh someone's song and be like oh that's not creative enough but obviously right. that's subjective you know you could end up in the uh, green is not a creative color sort of debate yeah which what do you guys think is green a creative color what uh, green a creative color yes is green a creative color i would argue yes but it, i mean it also allows you to blend in with bushes so Right, but is blending in creative? With bushes, uh, no. But if you're wearing green in the middle of the city, then yeah, that's going to be you know like neon green in the middle of downtown is is going to be creative. Okay, context. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, I agree with Spatis. Cool, cool. So now we've settled that debate once and for all. What is the uh, what is the food culture like? In, in DC. Northern Virginia. Yes, DC. Yeah, so um I'm Latino, so you know, there's a lot of other I in my area there's a lot of like other Spanish people too. I think it's super diverse. So there's a lot of like um Central American food uh, like pupusas. I like those are really good. If you ever get the chance to try them, would definitely um yeah, but for me I mostly like like pizza and meat, like steak and hamburgers. Gotcha. Oh, he's, yeah. he's, talking, he's talking my language. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I love hamburgers. Uh, there's like this hamburger place near my school, and it's more like southwestern Virginia, so it's more in the country. And they had like the best burger place. They had like, they had like bacon and eggs and like cheese and like, it's like secret sauce, and it was so good. It so was like, like huge a hangover burger. Kind oh of thing. yeah, because it's a college town. Right. Wait, wait, wait. What was the town? Uh, Harrisonburg. I don't. I did. It. My my wife's family is from Lynchburg, so I'm not. I don't know how close Harrisonburg is to that. Uh, I think Lynchburg is probably like an hour or so away from Lynch, from Harrisonburg, I believe. Gotcha. Also, have you ever had a a Texas burger since we're on the burger debate? No, I believe I haven't. Unless so that's that's where you're missing out. Yeah. What what what, in, what is entailed in the Texas burger? It's 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 just made better. 
than you. I mean, it's it's like getting Tex-Mex in, in New York. Like, you're just, it's not going to be as good. Um, I had an amazing burrito in New York, actually, last night. Well, amazing by New York standards or by Texas standards? Well, by, like, Florida standards, where there's a fairly large community, Latin community there. How are your enchiladas up there? Um, oh, Mexican food and Latin food in general is terrible up in New York. This just happened to be an exceptionally good burrito. Uh, point proven. Well, I mean, it's, it disappoints me. me too. I can't find a Cuban for the life of me, and I grew up on him, you know? Well, like like, like a cigar? Are we, sh- are we shifting from food to cigars no, Cuban, now? No, a Cuban sandwich. Cuban sandwich. Okay, uh, gotcha. Yeah, come on. Yeah, I feel like uh, Latin food's pretty hard to find, unless you like find like a, like a mom and pop restaurant or something. Yeah, no, that's it. Was like a weird mom and pop in like Corning, New York, which is mostly known for a particularly famous museum, like glass museum. Hmm. Were they owned by uh, Latins or just? Yeah. Okay. Hmm. I mean, every once in a while, you know, you find a place where, you know, people have just sort of saw and, you know, gap in the market and build it. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't really eat out like at, um, like Spanish food places, um, just cause it, I feel like it's better homemade. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. But, um, what about pizza? Are you what, what kind of pizza are we talking? Uh, pizza with just hella meat on it, fucking hella sausage, meat. bacon, ham. Yes, Every, just fucking all that meat on it. Are we um, are, are we stuffed crust as well? Yeah, it just depends on the place. What's your you what's should... your what's your favorite place? My favorite pizza place is. There's like this place near my house. I think it's called like Mama Mia's or something. It's like family owned. It's so good. Like I got like a we got like a all meat pizza on it. The slices were huge and it had so much meat on it. I think I only I could only eat like one slice. That stuff is amazing. Nice. Um, I'm personally no 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 stuffed, but uh, cauliflower crust has been something I've been indulging in lately. That's like very, very good. Is it like cauliflower in the crust or is it just a crust? You know, has the like... crust is the crust is made out of cauliflower. Huh? Yeah, they uh, they write what the, the process is called ricing. They turn cauliflower into a rice and then um, turn it into a pizza crust. And it has like a crispiness to it, like because they dry out the cauliflower so much that it's just it's insanely crisp, but it has like a thickness to it at the same time. Hmm. Interesting. I never heard of that. Yeah, it's like a you know, it's like a vegetarian, like vegan thing, and that's been um, an area of cuisine I've been flirting with more and more. I wouldn't say we're dating, or but you know, we've definitely we definitely fucked a few times. <laughs> yeah, that sounds interesting. Are you a vegan? No, I. Uh, I mean, probably no, he's, he's, five, he's, five days out of the week. Yes, I would say. 
he's 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 fucking around with Megan. Not he's not quite there yet. They're not dating, but he's fucked. It. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're hooking up. We're hooking hmm. up, but occasionally, you know, you have your cravings. Yeah. Hmm. I, mean, I don't. I don't think that looking at it as like a binary thing is like healthy. Healthy. Like I think it's like a very destructive thing. You know. Yeah. Like look at life in those kind of sort of maximal like binary perspectives. <laughs> Seems like very, very bad, but something we do to food for some reason. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know. I can't, I can't see myself being vegan or, or vegetarian. I don't think I'd be able to do it. But could you see yourself like doing that like three to four days out of the week? No, I probably couldn't even do one. Jeez. Yeah, I, I just got to have meat. Well, I mean. We all have to have meat, I think, you know, not to yeah. uh, be a little on the nose here, but well, for sure, like I, I still will, like eat steaks and stuff when I have like cravings, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's just, I love meat. Man loves, the man loves meat. And now talking about I mean, how are we politically, politically right now, how are we, how do we feel about the uh, United States Postal Service? Um. Yeah, I don't know too much about that. Um, I, I just was reading a, 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 just like the titles of newspapers. I don't really understand it. So could you like tell me a little bit of what's going on? Um, so I haven't read a ton either. I'm not well versed on the subject. But from what I understand, there is an active dismantling of the United States Post Office mm-hmm. or Postal Service rather um, for political advantage. And that seems bad to me, and I don't like it. Oh, is it so? It's for you know to mess up the people that are doing like the mail-in ballots. Yeah, because you know we're in the middle of a global pandemic where people being you know around each other is like a very bad idea. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what I figured. I just didn't want to sound stupid because I I don't know. That sounds wild. It sounds like unbelievable. Oh, it's yeah. No, it seems totally insane. But like they've already announced like that prices are going to go up for like using you using the postal service and that like you know stations are closing and stuff yeah damn it sort of to me the reality seems like the the very active like voter suppression they do they do to you know minority and underprivileged communities has sort of been they've like been like okay well if these people can vote this way then we also have to suppress that too too because we can't Mm -hmm. let you know the people's voices be heard that we don't agree with. Yeah. And I feel like Trump knows that his supporters are like, go to these, uh, you know, go vote in person. Cause he knows that they just will. Cause I, I feel like these are the same people that are like, Oh, I don't need a mask and stuff. Right. Right. It's... There was a uh, lovely little Facebook um, post I saw this morning, which was, you know, a great way to wake up is going on Facebook. Um, was that like I someone was like I know the risk of like eating raw cookie dough, but I still do it anyway. I'm gonna go ahead and not wear a mask because you know they're the same thing. Oh, Jesus Christ! Did you see that? Um, it's like a Facebook group. I forgot what they call themselves, but they called themselves like they were pretending to be like an actual agency, um, where they like went around promoting the not wearing a mask and they like were trying to like act all official and stuff 
She's. I mean, there was like the, there was like that um, movement to include like pedophiles in the LGBTQ community. That was like that as well recently. Oh, I heard about are you, that. Are you sure that wasn't a troll or something? I feel like well, that's something is, the four chan would do. Thing is, it was a troll, but it's like also a troll that like is very malicious and like actively used to like suppress LGBTQ voices. Like it's like to them, it's like a way of invalidating them. True. Hmm. Um, but that's not music production. What are your top five and bottom five VSTs, my friends? All right. Uh, so let me just open. My first one, it would have to be Silent, just because it's okay. so versatile. I'm Wait, pretty so this sure. Is, this is the bottom list. These are the bad ones. Oh, the bad ones. All right. Oh, no, uh, I'm saying you, you said Silent, so I assumed the bad ones. Oh, my bad. Uh, I didn't even mean silence. I meant serum, and I thought we were talking about the best. All right, so my oh, worst serum. Serum is yeah. on your best. Serum is one of your best ones. Yeah. Um, okay. So well, actually, where is serum on your top five list. Your num- top number one. Number one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just why is that? It's a versatile. Uh, it's it's like one of those plugins that's like great for every genre. Like, I feel like it has no limit on what it it can do. Right. Um, right. Number two on that list would be Phase Plant. Uh, okay, you're, you use Phase Plant? Yeah. I'm a Just, Phase Plant guy as well, though I canceled, I literally canceled my subscription to it this morning after uh, demoing Pigments for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the sound engine in Phase Plant is kind of shit, being honest. Yeah, I'm not really like big into sound design like i usually like just get presets and then i'll just mess with the presets there but i'm not like making my own stuff um gotcha i mean i make probably maybe 75 percent of my sounds mm-hmm. and i think the problem i have with faceplant is like nothing that sounds thick enough like i have to like compress the hell out of everything just to make it sound like good to my ears like there's no like fullness in the sound engine compared to like serum or like i was demoing this morning pigments the sound engine sounds good on its own. You don't have to add, you know, like five different, you know, wavetables to it. You can add two. Yeah, I don't, I haven't had any issues like that. Maybe my ears are just stupid. I mean, my taste is terrible. So, Hypa, Hypa also has shifted that VSC in the last week. So, yeah, my opinion on this is it will, because I was using, Kilohertz one, which is like their other synth. Oh yeah, I have that too. Um, I, I've been using that more than Faceplant. Yeah, I don't think I've even touched uh, one yet. I've barely used it. But yeah, like Vadas was saying, my opinion on this shifted. I'm mm-hmm. um, I'm very heady, so I will um, sort of overthink these things and sort of pivot a lot. Mm-hmm. Which I think is good for a podcast host because I'm not just always talking about the same thing every time, like new right. opinions and things. Yeah, I need to be uh, flaky and um, unreliable, I guess, or inconsistent. Yeah, like the wild card. Yeah, exactly. Oh, only in VSTs, that. Yeah, just VSTs only. Well, it shifted from women to VSTs in the past year, and I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> <laughs> Ranking uh, top five women. 
Uh, yes. Can I do a bottom five? Sure. Hillary Clinton, all all five. Yeah. I don't trust her. I don't trust her. Yeah, I don't either. I I feel like her came, she lost because her campaign would felt so ingenuine. It, she just she seems like a menacing and terrible person. Yeah, she really does, especially when she was said that Pokemon Go thing. Yeah. I was like, nah. Um, also just the fact that she has sort of like stayed with Bill Clinton as long as she has sort of makes it seem like it's pretty obvious that she has been in that relationship from the beginning to, you know, acquire mm-hmm. position. Yeah, and at that point you can't get a divorce because it'll look so bad on you. Right. Just because you're like a political person. Right. But speaking of political machines, Facebook, I, you like it. Well, hold on. I'd, I'd yeah. even say Bill looking for it elsewhere in the in the mid '90s would be evidence of that. I mean, Bill looking for it elsewhere since at least the mid '90s. Oh. I feel like I don't feel. I feel like Jeff Epstein's uh, flight logs reveal that that probably hasn't stopped. <laughs> okay. uh, Monica Lewinsky actually came to my school and did like a little speech. I think a, a year or two. Oh yeah, a year after I graduated. I was like, wow, I missed out. Yeah. Um. Okay, so face plan. What do you like about it? Uh. I feel like it's it's on the level of serum. It's pretty versatile as well. I mean, you can like make some super deep house stuff to like some bass heavy rhythm stuff. So yeah, you can definitely make some wild shit with it. Yeah, and that's what like got me into it, just like watching, you know, people review it. Um, and my definitely. third favorite would be massive. Okay. Um, I've had massive since like I first started producing. I-, I love it. I mean, it's it's not as versatile. It definitely has its its limits, but it's great for ambient stuff. Um, you know, for a little bit more analogy sounds as well. Yeah, I mean that's kind of what I like about pigments. Pigments as well is for the more analogy stuff. If I haven't heard of pigment, I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah, check out pigments too. Um, it's currently on sale for a hundred bucks only on Sweetwater.com. Mm-hmm. But um, the sound engine sounds as good as Serums to me. But I think, but it has a built-in sequencer, and um, I just I think the workflow is better. Yeah, honestly, and it's it like looks... it's just it's really pretty. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It looks hella nice. Yeah, uh, my second. And it's got a, it's got a sequencer and a granular synth on it, also. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah, you can do granular synthesis like very easily within it, very easy in its um, sample editor. Whoa! I might it has have a to... granular button you just press. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna check this out. Um, yeah, I think uh, my second favorite. We'd, on my number two... Wait, we're going You're down, right? Yeah, You're fuck. Number uh, number four, I would say, probably OTT. Okay. You know, that's a hot take. I haven't heard that one on the podcast yet. Carry, carry on. Yeah, I throw OTT on everything. 
Um, well, not really, but yeah, I, I I do use OTT a lot though. Um, and then number five, I would say all the kilo heart effects. Yeah, yeah. I I love these more than like uh, Ableton and FLs like native effects, especially the reverb. Yeah, no, I use and, that thing a lot too. Yeah, and then and the filter, I use those two a lot. I disagree with you on the filter. I don't think the the filter has like a little too little character to to me. Like it's a little too transparent. Yeah, I, I guess for, Yeah, but for what I use it for, I, I it, it works fine for me, I guess. But gotcha. Y- yeah, I just the Ableton one is nice. I just find it easier to just use uh, the filter on, on the Kilo Hearts one just because it's like one knob. Right. Uh, I've been using the uh, BX uh, Clean Sweep for most of my filtering lately. Especially if I'm like automating something because it only has yeah. like two or three buttons. What's it called again? Uh, BX underscore Clean Sweep. It's just a it's just like a very transparent um, high and low pass filter. Like it doesn't even have like a resonance um, to it. Hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna check that out as well. Um, yeah, have you tried the Valhalla um, Supermassive? I like that reverb too. I think I'm gonna yeah, um, use that instead of uh, the Kilohertz one. I bought a Vintage Verb. I think Friday. Yeah, Friday I bought a uh, vintage verb and then I bought the metric AB. Hmm. Is that um, like, would you say it's better than the Valhalla one or? Well, a vintage verb is a Valhalla plugin. It's just, it's a more, I guess, controlled mm-hmm. in some way. Like, super massive is almost more of a delay than a reverb, I think. Hmm. Whereas with, um, Vintage verb, it's like super easy to get like really clean sounding like room and like hall reverbs. Gotcha. Hmm. Yeah, like I have, uh, I put this, I replaced the Kilo Hearts reverb uh, with the super massive reverb on like this little guitar loop I had. And it sounds better, but I did notice that there was like some. See, like some hat sounding stuff in the background for some reason. Yeah, um, I think that that's like the case with a lot of reverbs. And kind of what I like about vintage verb is that I don't have that as much. Mm-hmm. Like I know um, Oriver, um, O R I River, that reverb is like really guilty of that as well. Like we have that sort of digital sort of artifact thing happening. Yeah. Yeah. It like you could definitely hear, like, if I isolated sounds like there's some hats in the background right yeah hmm. yeah i'm gonna um, have to do a comparison speaking of hats um, let's get into the bottom five uh vsts and why are they all um serum uh you know it's it's serum I, steve dutta hype of hating over here Steve Dutta loves to um, pour shame people, so that's why it's on number five on all of mine. He likes to what shame people? A pour shame. Oh, go on about this. Okay, so... 
I know exactly what you're talking about. I just want to hear you say it. Yeah, so someone was, I think they made a joke like on Reddit or something about torrenting serum. And Steve uh, Duda was, went in and he was like, or you could uh, just go on Splice and pay like $9.99 a month or something. But I think he said in like uh, a pretty like harsh way. And ever since then, I was like, wow. Like, I feel like a lot of these people are so disconnected with like, it was just like the lower class people, middle class and all this stuff. Just because, you know, that nine, not that nine, even those like nine, I'm just going to round to $10, even those $10 a month could determine whether or not someone can, you know, have food or pay rent, you know? Right. Well, but then the counterpoint to that is if that $10 is that important, why are they producing and not like doing something to make more money? And I'm not making that argument. I'm just saying that that argument is there to be made. Mm -hmm. No, that's a, that's a pretty good point, but I mean. Like, uh, I mean, we could discuss more later how, you know, there's just uh, people think that producing is so easy and, you know, it's something that you really don't have to spend any money on if you torrent something. Everything's you could get everything for free if you really wanted to. You just learn that way. Right, right. So that's why. But that's that's if you torrent it. I mean, most people are want to be you know, legitimate and you know, I, I don't have any torrented software mm-hmm. and I'm I'm up to two grand and just mm-hmm. what I have. So Yeah, yeah no, I I need to reel it back in. I've kind of gotten addicted to blind buying plugins and I really need to stop because I'm burning through all my money as soon as I get it. Yeah, I I I feel like it depends on the person just because like there's some people that definitely do have the money for it, but you know, they're just going to torn it anyways. Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah. And there's people that genuinely, genuinely can't afford this stuff. So they have to torn it. And I feel like right. in, in that case, I'm not justifying it, but I mean, I mean, it, but also who hasn't heard of, like of like some very successful musicians who's like first, you know, big single was recorded on like a cracked version of pro tools or something. Yeah, and if you're a big like, artist, well, and, um, like Lord Lord's Royals was done on like a pirated version of Pro Tools, full stop. Yeah, there there's a lot of like artists that before they were big, they uh, used torrents and stuff, and I, I don't think there's nothing wrong with that because I mean, eventually those pay for it. Right. I mean, Elenium was kind of joking on one of his live streams that he doesn't pirate stuff, quote unquote, anymore. In a way that kind of made it clear that he still does. Yeah, maybe he does, but I mean, I think if, I think there's I think there's also a really uh, like a VST happy culture, and that mm-hmm. there's there's a a general feeling that if you don't have you know 500 VSTs and sample packs, and you're not a producer, but like, right? I don't I don't, yeah. I don't think it works that way. I think that that's like such a product of kind of, and I know this is something you wanted to talk about. So maybe now we can get into it here um, of like bass culture where it's sort of just like so obsessed with like timbral music and like finding new ways to achieve timbres that you end up with a culture like that. Yeah, it's, 
by that you mean like sound design right like sound design culture yeah there's a lot of like produce like smaller producers that have like such a hatred uh with especially like bass music where they're using like presets or they're like using like uh like some Maddox has like little growl samples it's just a one-shot growl they get mad that they use that or just like any other like one shot sample that you could easily turn into a melody like like in Ableton you just put it in and it'll go into the piano roll and you could like put in the notes and people were getting so goddamn mad with that like this old server I was in this guy completely denounced one guy some went on disciple just because he used that one shot from a cashmere pack I use one shots from cashmere packs like all the time yeah, this guy like denounced this guy as an artist, and it just blew my mind. Like how the people he listened to, he he wouldn't listen to anyone if these presets or those samples, like it, they had to work on that sound design on their own. Unless he right, like they had to like they had to raise the goat themselves. Yeah, or he'd completely not listen to them and shit on them, and it, it's nuts because obviously you're there. You know, you're putting all this work into your music by, you know, doing it your way and you're still where you are. But then this guy, obviously, you know, he's who knows if he's even doing like hard work. He's probably doing way more than you. You don't know that because you're not there while he's producing. You just use a sample right. just because he wanted to. And he's where he's at. So I don't understand why you're you have such a gripe with over like. For like just one little sound. And at the end of the day. You know, all the fans of music don't give a shit about how you produce your music. They don't they don't fucking care about you sitting there and doing all this stuff. They don't care how like how like you're just like, oh dude, I know this, this and that. They don't they don't fucking give a shit. I mean, I, I don't know that I fully agree with that the like the very last part of that statement on the basis is that a lot of um you know bass music mm-hmm. um is produced for and by producers. So in that sense, like the like original quote-unquote originality mm-hmm. um hard quotations on that i think is like a very big part of it where like you know you get points like I, noisia gets big points for the fact that they like synthesize half their drums themselves mm-hmm. so i mean i think it and also if you think about sort of the way covid has affected you know production culture where you know like a general audience isn't hearing a lot of that music because it's you know made for dance floors it kind of becomes for producers by producers yeah, but I mean, yeah, I, feel, I agree with only like producers would probably have a other gripe on, you know, how music is done. Right, but then if producers are the only one, ones listening to it, then there is something to like respecting that audience. Yeah, it's just I don't think like the fans really care, but the producers do. Right, but what if the producers are the only fans? I feel like everyone would just be shitting on each other. Well, I mean, they kind of are. Have you you've been on production servers? Uh, I was in a couple, but I've only seen them shit on like other bigger producers. Yeah, I mean, that's a very vilifying people who are more successful than you is a, a very fun thing for people to do on the internet. Yeah, I haven't seen anyone really shit on on each other, and I've heard some fucking extremely ear distorting stuff on some of these servers but you know i wouldn't bring him down and i don't think anyone ever has brought anyone else down but yeah it's just mostly just punching up for some reason 
Right. I mean, it's, yeah, I think there's definitely a culture where like punching up seems to be like okay because punching down has been so heavily vilified. Yeah. But it, I guess punching down would be okay if in certain situations, but yeah, it's, it's, I feel like if you're more into producer culture, you're more likely to um, just shit on other uh, artists for, you know, little stuff. Cause I've heard like songs where I've recognized a sample from like a sample pack I have or, or, you know, um, a preset. And at this point I'm just like, it's whatever. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't take you out of like the listening experience. Yeah. I actually think it's cool. Cause I'm like, wow, this is, you know, this like sample pack was made by a super small guy and you know, it's, it's here. Right. I have it. Right. No, for sure. Um, yeah, and we were talking about some like specific um, example of with this earlier on. Do you remember what that was about? Um, oh, about the bass community. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's about like the popularity a, of rhythm and dubstep. Yeah. So, um, let's just go back to like whenever uh, Complexure was a big thing. You know. Yep. Yep. Porter Robinson, Zed. Um, you know, all these people. You're, uh, I think you may have, you're coming close to breaking the record for Port Robinson mentions. And I'm kind of proud of you for that also. Yes. Don't worry. I'm going to keep going. But uh, yeah, so we see Porter Robinson with this Spitfire album. It's like all this like complex show stuff. And then he goes to like weeaboo sounding worlds. Like, and no one gave a shit. Everyone was like, wow, this is fucking beautiful. Like, important. I, I, don't I think that's like a very rose-colored glasses way to look at it. To be honest, I think there are a lot of people who are upset by that. I think he just found a new audience. Huh. I, I've seen a I, lot. Of, I'm in the Porter Rom. Oh wait, I, what? I, I I loved his old stuff uh, under the Porter Robinson name. Uh, he's under a new one now. No, uh, in, incorrect. He did a side EP under the name Virtual Self and okay. won a Grammy in 2017. Well, then I, I stand corrected, but either way, uh, 2013, Porter Robinson was amazing. You don't like when he um, like took MGMT as like a primary influence? No, like because it, 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 it took away from what I loved. See? Counterpoint. Yeah, but I do a lot of on like this stuff. Well, let me ask you. Do you like Worlds, though? Like, is it something that you can listen to? I mean, personally, I prefer Worlds to anything else he's done, except for maybe, like, the stuff he has coming out, like, right now, which is, like, incredible. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, um, Get Your Wish is, like, one of the best songs that's been put out in, like, the last 10 years. Exactly. I feel like it's a perfect combination of Worlds and his virtual self. Um, Well, it's just, it's... It's like a, it's like emotionally re- resonant dance music, and I don't think that dance music does that enough. Mm. What about you? Yeah, what about you, Vadis? What his stuff? Yeah, what do you what do you think of Worlds? Uh, I actually have not listened to Worlds, so I'm a little, little ignorant here. Yeah, I mean, Worlds was one of the things that like got me into electronic music because I came from. I guess like more of an indie background where that was, you know, a lot of his influences he was pulling from were in. Yeah. 
So like on the, you know, on Porter Robinson going from Spitfire to Worlds, I think, you know, it's such a huge shift in the genre of music. And, you know, me personally, you know, and like Porter Robinson fans and um, being on the subreddit and his Discord server and just like talking to any other Porter Robinson fan, it seems like, you know, most of his fans just transitioned from Spitfire to Worlds and were like, okay with it, especially since when Worlds came out, um, you know, Odessa was on the rise, all these, yeah, yeah, all these other, you know, more indie electronic artists were, were coming out as well. And I think Porter Robinson led the way from music shifting from, you know, like, uh, progressive house and like this main room house to like a more emotional, um, indie electronic type music. Um, well, I think pop music was also in general kind of heading that way with the sort of successes of bands like, you know, Arcade Fire, LCD Sound System, and Vampire mm-hmm. Weekend leading into that era. Yeah, definitely. Everyone's like shifting to like more electronic sounds. And just like indie music in general is sort of like gaining like a lot more relevance where now that's kind of, you know, the default. Yeah. Yeah, but like, I, I don't think. Uh, I think a majority of his fans just tr- transitioned over as well. But if you look at Getter and, you know, how Getter started out with like dubstep and rhythm and this super bass heavy stuff. And then he transitioned to like uh, Visceral with this Visceral album, where it's more like, uh, you know, future trap flume sounded stuff, but with, you know, his sound still in it. And then. Right, his production style, but like in that genre. Yeah, and he got so much backlash for it, which fucking sucks. We're like limiting what, like the I feel like, I feel like the bass community is the one that limits an artist's growth. Because if you look at how much backlash he got, dude, it's fucking nuts. Uh, when he came well, to I DC, think... he yeah, like yeah. he like got booed. He well, he was getting booed like at every other show. He got booed in DC so, here. And I guess a girl in the crowd kept messing with them and other people kept messing with them. So I, after that DC show, he's like, he's like, I'm canceling the rest of the tour. Jeez. Well, I think the, I will honestly, I, here's the connection I'm going to make. And this is probably going to like come across as a little um, lateral, but from the base producers I've talked to on this podcast, including a lot of episodes that like haven't been released. Cause I just wasn't happy with them. Um, a lot of like the bass community comes from the metal community, which has that sort of elitism to it, I think. Mm-hmm. Whereas the indie community, I think, is a lot more about a celebration of diversity in like a musical sense. Yeah, I, I can see that. You know, people want heavy stuff that they can, you know, mosh to and get fucked up on. Right. Well, mo- I mean, and also most of the bass producers, like, were like gent guitar guys in like the 2000s. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it kind of makes sense that that that, commun- that that sort of cultural perspective would carry over to me, I guess. Yeah, right. Like, you wouldn't want, like, a screamo band to just, like, start making, like, classic rock or some shit. I mean, we'll look at what happened, like, with Bring Me the Horizon for the first, like, album or two where they transitioned. Like, they intentionally had to make that transition very slowly mm-hmm. so that they sort of weaned people off of the metal rather than you know going full on and now we're you know where we're at now yeah where they just make like radio friendly pop rock hmm. yeah i've 
Yeah, so I guess it's not just a base community, but it's like there's a lot of good base artists that I feel like have more potential to like grow, but they're just stuck. Right. And I mean, I think there's like, you know, financial incentive to being stuck and doing what people want you to do as well. It can't be ignored. Yeah, because there's definitely artists out there that um, you know, don't give a shit. And I don't want to name drop anyone, but you know, Zed, you can name drop anyone if you want. Yeah, like Zed. I, I fucking hate Zed so much. What do you hate about Zed? He seems like a charming I, guy. So, you know, Zed was also on the rise during the complexer thing. And then what is this album like colors or some shit? Colors, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so like it still had his complexer style but more poppy and it it wasn't bad and i still liked that at that point um but you know true colors sorry it was true colors yeah true colors yeah and so you could you could see where he wanted to go but i feel like he couldn't and i'll explain why in a bit but when he what's that i think it was either stay or middle that first song he did with gray I think the first one they did together was a remix. And I think from then on, I don't think he started making his own stuff. I think it was all gray. Just to get those radio hits, what he was trying to do with True Colors, but, you know, couldn't. So I think he used gray to get there just because, you know, gray are talented producers. And if you look at... uh, they broke down a song, and I don't remember which one. But the song was the song was the middle because I you're ta- I know the exact video you're talking about, which is how like it went from like that demo that like Australian girl did to the yeah. song it is now. Yeah, and there's two videos: one where Gray talks about how they did it, and it seems like they're the ones that basically produced the entire fucking song because they knew exactly what they were fucking doing, and then. The another one where it's Zed and he basically talks about the lyrics, but he didn't fucking write them on his own. And um, all he did w- on the production side, what from what he talked about, was you know put that like Zed sounding synth in it. And I think that he well, did that. Also, for the- sounds like he did like a lot of the vocal production on that as well. And I think at that point you become more of a curator than you do like a strict producer in some sense. And I think that his role seemed to come across as very curatorial in the video you're talking about. Yeah, but what's that? But, you know, who gets credit for that song? Zed. Well, I mean, Porter Robinson worked on Clarity, too, and no one talks about that. Well, that was Porter Robinson's decision to not be credited on it. You oh. know, yeah. Well, my, my bad. But, like, for... For like this, it should be Zed and Gray, but you know, Radio's just like, oh, here's Zed's new song with this person. And, you know, I think from there Zed realized that, you know, he can't do this on his own. So he had like what another song is Gray until now he's able to um, you know, perfectly replicate the gray sound. I don't know if you know, maybe Gray's helping him on the side or if he's just, you know, able to mimic them like completely, but I think at that point you sacrifice the reason you got into music. But I will give Zed the benefit of the doubt because when he, it was an interview he did a long time ago where he did say that, you know, he wanted to shift to pop music eventually. So at least he was on yeah. about it. Unlike I, mean, I, think, I think your priorities sort of change over time. 
Yeah. And, you know, your responsibility with what you do and sort of like, I mean, if you think about it from a purely financial standpoint, it's like, what can Zed do that like increases, you know, that provides the most value for his time, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Think about like how long production takes versus the financial potential reward out of it versus, Mm -hmm. you know, him playing shows or him doing marketing or him, you know, finding collaborations and how much more money that probably generates that. And I mean, I think that to me makes sense when you sort of just break it down in that way. Yeah. I, I'd also say that, the, I mean, the whole, you know, what we're talking about kind of, kind of speaks to what happened with uh, Rain Man and Cruella. Oh, talk about this. I don't know anything about this. So the, the artist that you can look up, Rain Man, uh, had a couple good EDM hits was initially Cruella's first uh, producer. And they ended up dropping him for whatever, alcohol, drugs, whatever, you know, whatever reason they ended up dropping him. But at a piss complex? Yeah, no. Yeah, I think it wasn't at his complex. It's just something that I think they just fucking decided or something. I think one of them were like dating him and then they broke up. That makes that makes a lot more sense than the Oedipus Complex. Yeah, Oedipus Complex is. Uh, I n- neither of them were his mom, so we're good there. Well, no, but like, if you found out that someone in your band had an Oedipus Complex, would you maybe think twice about having them in your band? Yeah, they'd be fucking kicked out. See. Well, I don't have a band, so but agree. Um, well, but no, no, they, uh, what's it after <laughs> edit this complex after their album, get wet in 2013, uh, they dropped, title. yeah, I know. Right. Uh, they dropped him and then Cruella's stuff has gone from, you know, cutting edge to, Oh, dog I shit. Can, I, yeah. Dog shit. I can tell you're using, beats that you bought and you're just singing over yeah he's he's doing a lot of the heavy lifting right and then he came out after that with the the artist named rain man and this is chris trindle i i believe about? i believe that is his name yes sir on the wikipedia page just trying to keep up make sure we're you know chris rain man Trin- trindle yes and uh, Habit is one of his more popular releases. I remember gotcha. he made that Reddit post, or I think someone might have just to like support him. And everyone was like super against Cruella. And when they released their first song without him, it was like shit. Yeah, no, Cruella Cruella fell to shit once he was gone. Like, I love their earlier stuff. And then once he was gone. I feel like they've kind of always gotten a lot of hate, though, even before that. Like, I've never heard super positive opinions about them as a group. Yeah, I've, I've only heard positive. I mean, I like their old stuff. I well, right. me being yeah. a minority. I, well, I think when they first hit the scene, it was very positive. And then after that, 
that's when everybody, yeah that's when everybody really started hating and i mean here i am now hating after he left so yeah i think they right. rose as quick as they fell which you know how often is that the case um rarely a lot <laughs> a lot a lot oh, a lot yeah, hmm. yeah. speaking of things that rise and fall um Let's get into your influences. You said Guitar Hero was something you you mentioned? Yeah, like rhythm games, because Guitar Hero got me more into music um, again, mostly rock. And then, you know, with the DJ Hero came out, and then that got me really into, uh, more into EDM, because I was already listening to it. Um, you know, like uh, Daft Punk and Justice and... You know, dead right. mouth, and then that's why I got DJ Hero. It's like, oh, you know, I like these songs. Get to, you know, play them in a game. So I did, and that's how I got into like more artists. And I was like, holy shit, I fucking love EDM. And you know, I just started listening to music. And uh, I didn't have like a, any turntables or anything, so I was like, well, I can't really DJ, but I can fucking produce. So I, you know, torn at FL and you know, it started making the shittiest fucking mashups ever there is so shit um what 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 made them bad to you what was it about them that you didn't like they were out of key and out of sync they were fucking shit and i use like <laughs> stupid pop songs like lmfao and like black eyed peas don't, don't don't one don't you dare put LMFAO in the category of stupid pop music. Those guys are geniuses. Uh, two, we two. talked about them on, on the last podcast, man. Why are you hating? Two, don't you dare put them in the same category as the Black Eyed Peas. Those are very different things. Who do you think is better, LMFAO or Black Eyed Peas? LMFAO. Objectively, objectively, LMFAO by a mile. Two miles, three miles at least. Four miles. I mean, I guess it depends on the density of the city you're in, the, the mileage. I don't know. Right. Like it's a, it's a, like a Manhattan mile, let's say. Mm-hmm. Or Venice is from, it's maybe 10 miles. I mean, the LFMFAO is good at, you know, create. I just, I don't know. Maybe it's because I watched Dead Mouse shit on them for too long that maybe my opinions, like, I don't know. I don't really like them. But if you don't think the Black Eyed Peas are good, I don't know. They're, they're, the Black Eyed Peas aren't bad. If you want to hate anyone in the group, fucking hate Will I Am. Well, yeah, he seems, he and Fergie seem terrible. But the other guys, we don't have enough of an opinion on. I mean, I understand that some of their earlier stuff was a lot more political and like good. And that's good because it was, it was saying something before they sort of, you know, made the sort of career pivots that they, you know, decided to make. So maybe not knocking on that work, but maybe knocking on like the radio hits. And I like radio hits. Like mm-hmm. I think the middle is an amazing song. The Z one? The Z one, yeah. That's yeah, a great song. Yeah. I, I definitely mean, like on, him, but on the black eyed peas, I'd say, you know, where is the love? It was their breakout, and that was a great song. But it does do it for me. It's just, it's too corny. It was too corny for you. I love that too one. Corny for me. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's a bad song. Um, definitely, it's a little bit corny, but it's it's one of their greatest hits. So, uh, but we we're talking about marshmallow earlier. What 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 is your 
problem with him. Marshmallow is like a great example of sacrificing your sound to just be a sorry I stutter a lot because you know I'm I'm trying to like censor myself from going off and saying something really no, bad. Just say what you want. This is this is an open discussion. All right. Marshmallow is a prime example of sacrificing your sound to get completely rammed by freaking popularity cox or some shit he sacked he marshmallow I don't, you, I don't love the weirdly anti-gay sentiment there but go on he he like had he started out you know making his like you know future trap um i would say more like kiddish sounding childish yeah 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 for sure trap which is really good it it worked well for him he was great at marketing you know his little marshmallow thing um he definitely had it like planned out especially i mean he was already in the fucking scene as a uh, dot com yeah yeah uh, you know and then he he started like making all these other songs that was great that he, joyride ep was good um it had it had some good things on it i thought it was a little repetitive to be honest yeah, it's it's always like you know, there's a couple of songs on it were pretty good. Um, Ritual is one of my favorite songs, and that's what really got me into Marshmallow. It's it was still his sound, but you know, it transitioned to a little bit more pop, but it was his still signature, you know, childish, happy sounds. And then I guess like somehow he he got like um, I can't remember which big pop artist he got on a song, but. I think that's when he started sacrificing his sound because if you're like a rapper and you look at all the guys and people he's working with now and you're like, listen to like their other songs and like what they say in their lyrics. Do you think these guys would really want to work with the guy who makes like childish sounding beats? Like you listen to Marshmallow's those stuff. Do you think if they're like, hey, this uh, producer wants to work with you uh you know here's some of his songs he'll be like what the fuck is this shit so he had to work with like other producers and you know he's hungry for these fucking guys so he's gonna keep fucking making you know pop music so he eventually you know can be on their good sides and they'll be like okay yeah we'll work with you now and he's literally sounds like just a generic uh beat producer right I mean, he did. He did a good song with Oliver Tree um, recently. I think. Uh, I did not hear about that because I don't. I mean, in his enough. in his biggest his biggest hit was on his on his own, like or his first one alone was him just singing with the, you know, pitch fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but it wasn't like, you know, poppy. It was just you know his sound when he first started out, and it grew within the EDM community. I think I think he's a he's a prime example of the uh, sell out when you can mentality. Like I, I think he realized the momentum and cashed that in. Mm-hmm. And he, yeah, absolutely. Like, I think you know, yeah, I think like he's he's like you know most pop most pop producers who are coming up. You know, you sort of seems like that you sort of make moves based on what you think is going to get you more fame. And you work with people based on if you think that they're also sort of coming up in a way. But then again, he also does songs with people that you wouldn't kind of expect. Um, I mean, his song with Bastille, like Bastille haven't had a, hadn't had a hit in so long before Happier came out. 
it had been like five years at least. And the same thing with churches. Yeah. But- Batillon worked with Bastille. I mean, it wasn't as big as Happier, but I mean, Bastille wasn't dead. And I don't know. I don't know how like the production thing went, but maybe Bastille had this song already. I don't know. But did you hear about the controversy with Happier with Artie? No, I have not. So if you listen to uh, it's an Artie song, um, it's I think it's a remix he did. Um, that melody on that song is happier's and Artie and marshmallow got into like a big fight over it where um it's like the exact same melody except i think it's happier's is the same but it's like sped up or something did you hear about that badis uh no no i had that I, I, this is first for me let me look at the song real the marshmallow one well, the already one. Well, the already one, yeah. We, we everyone knows, but also like, think about like um, the song that he did with churches last year. Mm-hmm. Like, when was the last time they were sort of in out in the same way? You know. Yeah, but I mean, Eric Prids worked for churches, and that song was pretty big too. I don't remember that. I'm sorry. I I, only, I was a big fan of their very early work. Yeah, they're like Matt, like saw them live a few times like massive fan kind of thing yeah churches is definitely good but i mean churches i think denounced their song with marshmallow after he worked with chris brown so well yeah i think well i mean you know what's her name sorry i can't remember her name right now um what, rihanna or what no um no lauren mayberry of churches is like a very like like well-known like feminist sort of activist so it would be kind of fucked up if he if she didn't denounce. Yeah. Working with him. Yeah. Oh, I found the it's uh the One Republic I Lived Artie remix. It it's literally the Bastille thing. But uh the oh, happier is slow down. Like you can hear it. Um well, hot take. Fuck one republic. Well, I mean, I'm sure they're fine as people. I don't want to attack hold, them as people, on, but like, like if you get a sample from Splice, it says you know you gotta you gotta change it a bit, or else you get flagged for copyright. So I think that's it's also not true. But he copied the melody, know. and you can copyright melodies because yeah, I, that's like one of the few things you can copyright. Yeah, I mean Marvin gay's estate sued robin thick and fro williams for blurred lines right and yeah deservedly no, so i don't know deserve it that was the same exact drum beat uh but i think also at the same time like at some point you know not particularly in the obscure realm that we're in but in the pop culture realm and, and the pop music yeah they're recycling the same stuff over and over again Yeah, I just think that if Marshmello did copy uh, Artie's song, he, he could have at least like been like, "Yo, dude, let me, you know, let me do this." I'm pretty sure Artie would be okay with it. I mean, Artie was okay with Will I Am is uh, doing him and Matt Zoe's, uh taking the, his song, even though he forgot to ask Matt Zoe, But I mean, Artie Artie's like super open and collabing. I I don't know why Marshmello didn't ask. What are you guys' thoughts on Matt Zoe? 
I think he's I think he's a great artist. I just think that he fucked himself over when he went on that Twitter spree calling out other artists. Oh, what was this? I didn't hear about this. Not that this entire podcast just needs to be us rehashing the last 10 years of EDM drama, but No, I think that that's great because a lot of people, you know, don't know about this stuff. And I think it's really interesting. But yeah, he was going around calling out like a bunch of artists for, you know, ghost producing and um, you know, just being straight assholes. Uh, I know Tiesto was one. He called out Diplo, and Diplo actually like responded to him. He, I think he called out Dead Mouse, and then Dead Mouse was like saying that you know he was just mad because he kept like trying to submit his album to him so it could be released on Mousetrap, but Dead Mouse didn't want to or something. So he like called out Dead Mouse as well. But yeah, oh, that's rough. That's a dick move on Dead Mouse's part. Yeah, but at the end of the day, that's Dead Mouse's label. If he didn't want to release Matzo's stuff, he didn't have to. But well, I mean, no, he, him, him rejecting Dead, him rejecting you know art he doesn't want to put out is like one thing. Like, but to like put that over him is the like I didn't even want to put this out is, is like kind of like a fucked up like power play. Yeah, I don't know if he said it like that. It was something along that lines. I don't know. I would have to look it up, but. um yeah, I think he, I knew he caught out Tiesto and just a couple of other DJs. And it was just like a huge, like, fucking storm. And uh, I think it, he just ended up ruining his fucking career after that. Like, no one wanted to, like, work with him just because they were, like, scared. Oh, dude, if, you know, if I don't treat him right, he's going to fucking go off on about me. Well, I mean, you know, you run that risk, but that's also sort of part of, like, you know, like the way people don't get paid, maybe the percentages mm-hmm. they should because. Ultimately, if you're using someone's like fame as like a vehicle to like promote yourself, like there is like I think reason that they would receive a lot more of a cut than they maybe should, even if they aren't the doing a lot of the production. But at the same time, it is also kind of fucked up and on the person who is in the position of power to, mm. I guess, be um, reasonable with the person they're working with. Yeah, I, I just don't think he caught out any any like record labels, but I well, because I'm I'm I guess I'm specifically pointing at how Bass Nectar screwed over um, Mimi and Ill Gates, where they were getting just like very bad cuts of the uh, of the royalties on some songs that they did all, most of the production on. Yeah, oh, Jen, oh, it's always going to be the bigger producer is going to get a bigger cut. I feel like right, but there's a, there's like a difference between like you know, there's a difference between seventy thirty and ninety ten though you know oh yeah definitely like Gray must have been getting a good cut because they worked with Zed like a ton of times I don't know maybe it was probably around that um, same percentage but after Matthew Comer right. came out about that stuff about Zed I, I don't know what stuff about Zed sorry. Uh, he Matthew Coma was saying how working with Zed like fucking sucked. How he did like a majority of the work and you know got paid shit. Yeah, I know that's sort of and this speaking from someone who's like done like unpaid internships in the past. Yeah, it sucks because you also don't tend to be treated the best when you're not receiving any money for the work you're doing. Yeah, I think I think you have to kind of try to negotiate that as best as possible beforehand. You know, like, yeah. All right. If we're going to if we're going to do a track together, then let's, you know, 50, 50, 60, 40, 70, 30, 80, 20, you know, whatever the split is. But 
do those numbers before you start working on it. If you end up in a studio and you don't have the numbers, then it's fair game. And here's the thing. Okay, let me let me argue a counterpoint to that. So say I take like an 80-20 deal to work with Hero on like the premise that like Hero is going to be a nice guy to work with and you know it's going to be a very collaborative environment where and that I'm that's going to be worth my time versus if I do an 80-20 with Vadis where he's an asshole and he keeps telling my you know my track is terrible and I put in you know an extra 100 hours on the track that I didn't you know budgetarily a lot because you refused to accept anything I was doing because my kick wasn't hitting hard enough then that's you know much less of a deal for me because I didn't like the experience, even though it was the same percentage. Well, agreed. And other than you driving the bus right over top of me, uh, that would... That would <laughs> You're that, my co-host. I, ha- I, I, have, yeah, I have to put you down. No, I, I, I'm fine with that. Uh, uh, that would give you, uh, you know, on the next song, if we collabed again, that would let you say, okay, I want 50-50 because I know that uh yeah but then you're gonna say fuck you this guy who produces just as good as you that you know i found up and coming on soundcloud we'll still do it for 80 20 well i mean i am here on the podcast for free so there's that well i'm also here for free you're getting a 50 at least a 50 percent cut of the what of this i start making money i'm gonna be i start making money off this thing people are gonna receive more than they would expect from it i think uh, but but no okay so back to the serious point that would that would open up the door to say okay if I, if we're gonna work together and you're a douche then uh, I let's do 60 40 50 50 whatever and if they don't want to accept that well then that gives you the power to bow out of that deal right but like it Mm-mm. I mean I don't know I see it both ways. Yeah, and it's it's a lot easier to if you're a smaller artist, it's a, it's super easy to get taken advantage of by like a bigger company or a bigger artist. Right, but at the same time to like achieve a higher level of success, that tends to be like a very financially profitable endeavor to partake in. Yeah, and I don't know, I feel like maybe for a smaller artist, like you'd be more inclined for the experience and the chance to work with like a bigger artist. And you know, grow right. your platform rather than the money itself. And you might even end up doing a majority of the work. I yeah, think for sure. I, I, I think that would depend on the, you know, you can be a smaller artist, but a little bit older and a little bit more wise in business. And if you're versed in those, but still a small artist, you're going to be less less likely to be taken advantage of. Yeah, right, but, well, no one's doubting your business acumen, Vadis. Yeah, but what if it's like a bigger artist, you know, he's one of your favorite artists, and he's like, oh, let's collab, and he wants, like, a bigger cut, you have to do a majority of the work, and, you know, you want you want more, but he's like, he's like, you, you know, I could just fucking work with another smaller artist. Like, it doesn't have to be you. Like, well, what if you get, like, pinned up? Right, exactly. And then I, you, as the small I, artist, I mean, get known as being yeah. And you like end up with I, nothing. I'd let him go. I mean, I like I'm not I'm not in this to be famous. I'm in this just to make music for fun. Like, fuck it. Yeah, there you go. But, well, I mean, I, I think um, 
fame is illusory and like a much more difficult thing to acquire than like good production skills. And I think we sometimes undermine the value of that as producers. Valid. Yeah, definitely. You know, you can put your 10,000 hours in on watching, you know, YouTube tutorials and become incredibly good at making songs. <laughs> that doesn't mean that you're going to, you know, be able to capitalize on that in the right way for me. Like, you know, marketing perspective. Mm-hmm. You definitely need, sorry, a marketing plan or at least have something planned. Like, um, you know, like a sort of like an elevator pitch, at least. Like, what if someone comes up to you and, you know, you're, you're going to have to explain your brand and, and yourself and more than just like your music. Right. Well, let's let, hold on. Let's dive into that. Cause like, how do you, I mean, in today's culture, you can play someone your song within five seconds of them asking you. So, all right, but I mean, I guess maybe to provide some like context for this, what are your sort of ambitions as an artist, Hero? Um, like I said earlier, I'm not in for the fame or or like the money or, or the women or anything. You know, it's just I want to be able to be that artist that you know people I'm trying to explain it. People look up to and can resonate with my music the same way I do with like my favorite artists like Porter Ronson, Mattyon. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. That, th- there we go. I just wanted to provide context for, you know, the listener. Cause we yeah. haven't been maybe going in deep as deep on your work as maybe we should be going into. And um, yeah, I mean, if you, uh, I, I looked at Jaws's marketing plan cause he has his online. Um, but like for me, it was always like, all right. So, you know, my name is hero. So let me create a logo and then like a font and all this stuff. And I did that. And, you know, I chose like just an eye because I didn't really see that a lot. Um, till like fucking Maddie on started using it. I'm like, fuck, but I made mine a little bit different. And so I was like, what else can I do to capitalize on my music that isn't just, you know, auditory? How can I do it visually? And that's like the font, the logo. It's like, all right, so hero, superhero, I could just fucking wear like some superhero stuff. And that's where like my, um, like you, you see my Discord picture. It's like a LED mask and an LED like glasses. So I was like, oh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I was just like, okay, I could just be like a superhero robot, like sort of like Iron Man, but fucking rave Iron Man, you know? Right. So Sorry. fucking rave Iron Man. Yeah. So I could just be that. You know, so it's because people like, like Matt, like it's it's really easy to market yourself if you have a fucking bucket on your goddamn head. Well, it also helps if you're like not the most attractive person. Yeah. And I feel like maybe that's the case for me. And because I'm like, I have like super bad social anxiety. So, right. I think I think we all know all about that. I don't think I don't I don't have that. I do. It's so weird because I'm just sorry. I'm just gonna call out us. But what what did you mean by that? You, I have zero social anxiety. No, no. I was actually talking about the the being ugly, not the uh, social anxiety part. Oh, I also don't know anything about that. Well, I'm glad you enjoy your reflection in the mirror. 
Yeah. All right, moving on. Sorry. Yeah, for me, it was just most more of the social anxiety. Um, just because I don't know. For me, it's always like what, like when I DJ, it's like I don't know what the fuck these people want to hear. You know, because right. every time I played, it was like a a different crowd. You know, like uh, you know, sometimes I would do it for school events, and I'm like. Okay, I got to censor what I want to play. You know, I can't really play, you know, the music I listen to because they're just going to be like, what the fuck is this? Um, and I, that would go the same for like, you know, like house parties. Like I would have, I remember my first house party. I surprised I didn't fucking blow it, but I don't know why I didn't have a fucking set list ready. I went in with fucking just my music and i had to like somehow survive on, on just like fucking remixes of like trap songs i had um and then while i was there like got on their wi-fi and was like just fucking downloading like music off youtube <laughs> so so it was like always shit quality and i always had to like be like okay this song has a fucking intro so i had to like cue it up past this shit right it, yeah um except for I've, like I've towards I've been there. Yeah. I feel you on that. But it's, but for me, I was like, everyone's going to be fucking drunk. So it doesn't fucking matter. Like my transitions don't matter. And like, as long as I could keep the music going, they're not going to give a shit. So, um, so I think that's what kind of saved me as well as like, you know, sometimes I threw in, um, you know, s- some EDM, uh, like I played, uh, Son Holo's remix for, uh, in the club. And I played yeah, yeah. it, and then like they were like, "Yo, play that again." So I played that a couple of times, and I played like, um, I this mashup of Madion's, um, one of Madion's songs and uh, Smash Mouth's All Star. So I played. Okay, that. I think I, yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so I just I played that like twice because I kept asking for it, but yeah, that was like my first one, and every time I play a house party, I just get play, paid in alcohol. Should walk out with like a trunk full of beer and stuff. Oh, so like not while you're drinking, they're just like giving you alcohol that you could go like later resell if you wanted to. Yeah. So like at the end of the night, they'd be like, oh, yo, here's like a bunch of alcohol. And I was like, oh, yeah, thank you. I wouldn't drink, I would have maybe like one beer, but I wouldn't get drunk while I'm playing just because, you know, I got to drop back. Right. That, that, and a drunk DJ is the worst DJ you've ever heard. Yeah. So this is, this is fairly, you can't handle your liquor. Sure. Yeah, um, I think it's only happened to me like once, but I remember once I DJed with, I got like, um, you know, like those uh, camel packs. Yes, I filled that up with uh, as much Mount Dew Bob blast as I could. OK, yeah, yeah. do it. Yeah, and I just fucking DJed with that and drank the whole thing. Do you like were in a Taco Bell, like filling up a camel pack? No, I, you know how you could get like Bob Blast in a can? I think for like a short time, yes. Yeah, so it was like that time when they had it. So I just bought a ton of it and just like filled it up. The image of you at a Taco Bell just filling up your cable pack is so much better though. I, I love that image. It's amazing. Well, I did that with the Slurpee. I filled like a two gallon uh, thing up with Slurpee before. That's pretty cool. I like that. Like, yeah. Wouldn't it all melt? Uh, it was a cooler, so it was like 
it, it was it stayed frozen for like the whole day. So it's just like a Yeti cooler full of like Coca-Cola flavored slushy. Yeah. It was like some shitty same. like dollar store one, but yeah, it it like stayed like the same consistency all fucking day. It didn't melt. I ended up throwing it up though. Hero Hero's got his his drink game down, dude. Yeah, what are your what are your top five uh beverages? All right, Baja Blast. Okay, number one, obvious. Co- Coke and Pepsi are the same for me on num- number two. So firm firm disagree, but go on. Um Number three, I would have to say just a regular Mountain Dew. And number five, uh, hmm, I would, I would say like vanilla Coke. Vanilla Coke is is underrated. I don't think it gets enough love in the uh, in this in the spheres. Yeah, it is so good. That and uh, cherry. I would I would actually yeah. put vanilla and cherry Coke on that. I would put cherry vanilla Coke at, at higher up than that. Yeah. I would actually, I want to change my uh, second number two. I would put that uh, bottled Coke and bottled Coke raspberry. What's your saying? Also, that wasn't just including like sodas. You could have included like alcoholic beverages, like orange juice, whatever on that list. Oh, I love soda. So okay, yeah. But for alcohol, I like, I love absinthe. That is so good. Interesting. That is fascinating to me. Yeah, I could like take like three shots of it in a row, and like I don't know why everyone's like, oh, I can't do this. I feel like maybe not like have an immunity to like the burn of stuff. But well, I don't it, think absinthe has like that much of a burn to it, at least from like the one time I did it in like an absinthe bar. It's 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 pretty. Oh, sweet. Have you been to yeah. a hero? I, have you been to an absinthe bar? No, my friend like had some that he got from um, whatever country it's from. Gotcha. Yeah, I never heard of an absinthe bar. There's one in the East Village that I went to a few years ago. Hmm. Quite. It's a cool place, but yeah, I'm not a big fan of. Interesting. If you're ever in the East Village, you know, maybe it's still there. Yeah, I'm going to have to look it up. Maybe there's one closer here. But yeah, I also like um, Jaeger. Yep. I love it. Like, sorry. Yeah, I just love Jaeger bombs. Um, I remember one and time. You, you're what? 24, you said? Yeah. Okay, so you haven't blacked out from those yet, uh, enough yet for them to be something you detest. <laughs> enough no. yet. That, I like those words. Enough yet. Yeah. I did. I did drink a lot of it. What I what we did is got like a bunch of um, Gatorade bottles. We were going to like uh, this uh, concert in DC, so um, we took the metro, and I had uh, I bought Jaeger because my friend was in town because he's in the military. So yeah. I, yeah. We filled up like uh, some uh, Gatorade bottles, like the big ones, and then uh, put the Jaeger in there with some Red Bull, and we drank it all the way there. Just probably like a thirty-minute ride, and then while we were just like walking to the venue, we stayed outside and like drank it. And then uh, my nice. my friend, I like finished mine first, and my friends are still drinking his. And my friend that's in the military, he's like saying how you know he. He could drink so much now, and he 
barely touched it. And so, you know, I finished his and, well, I don't, you know, military, military guys are badass. Everyone knows that. Yeah. But, you know, he was never like a, a drinker. So we were like, just shit on him because he's our friend. But yeah, I, I ended up drinking his and um, yeah, I don't remember the night, but I didn't pass out or throw up or anything. Interesting. See, I had to write off Red Bull and vodka and Red Bull and Jaeger because I used to do that thing where you black out at parties. So you couldn't drink the alcohols anymore that you blacked out with. And those were uh, two of the primary uh, weapons of choice, if you will. That was that was me with vodka. I can't do vodka anymore. Yeah, no, absolutely not. It has to be like a very high quality vodka for me to do it. Yeah, all the parties I went to is just like jungle juice and stuff. Uh, Hero, Hero, what's your thoughts on Fireball then? Oh, I love Fireball. Actually, yes. one of Fireball shirt from a frat. I have it right here. Have you well, ever... This, uh, is, have this you... is not an audio podcast. So we're not going to see the uh, shirt, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no, I'm just saying it. it's like right here. Have it hung up. Have you ever done uh, Fireball with squirt guns? No, I just gave oh, you the like idea. A, yep, a very frat thing to do. Going to try that out. Um, okay, so bottom five VSTs. We never talked about that. Um, let's see. Um, I think they're just all be like effects. Um, just because. I like using like a majority of this stuff. Um, but I think to start off with, I would say, hmm. oh yeah, I'd said it last time. Oh fuck. It was um, a sausage fattener. Yeah. You seem very anti-sausage fattener. Yeah. I feel like it, it, to me, it just sounded like it was distorting everything and making it louder. Yeah. It's like the role of like a, that's like what OTD does though. Right. Um. Yeah, but at least OTT like compresses it. You know, I feel like sausage fan is just a fucking knob, or a volume knob. Sort of like fruity balance. Okay. Um. Yeah, yeah, you switched from fruity loops to Ableton maybe a year ago. You said. Yeah, like a couple years ago, like when I was a senior in college. Gotcha. What uh, what what drove the switch? Um, I was trying to. F- I was really into like live setups, you know, just because I don't really like DJing. You know, I hate the fucking word. So I was like, oh, what can I do to like play my music the way I want to? Like, I'm not just hitting play. I'm actually doing something. So right. I was like really into like um, uh, the glitch mob setup how they were doing it and then Maddion's and and Porter Robinson's um especially Maddion's um I could talk about that a little later on um but yeah I was like oh Ableton you know it's the workflow on it is, is a lot better I could just make live edits of my songs quicker I mean if I really wanted to um we're in FL right, but- huh you could also do that bitwig just as easily potentially yeah, oh, dang. I forgot to look that up, but yeah. Um, I just so, saw Ableton was, you know, it, 
everyone uses it. So I was like, yeah, why not? Makes sense. Are you but Porter? Are you, Porter uses. Wait, don't Porter and Maddie use FL? Yeah. But you're not, like you're, you're not gonna be like your heroes, you know, using the same stuff. Mm. Yeah, I was getting tired of the way to fucking side chain on on FL. Okay, that was my major gripe. I didn't want to say anything because I don't want people to be like, oh, you know, you could just side chain this way. But the way I was doing it was taking too long because I kept looking at Taurus how to do it on FL. Everyone was doing it the same way. Then I saw someone do it on Ableton. I was like, wow, that's way easier. It's actually even easier in um, Bitwig because you have like an input that's built into the compressor itself. Yeah, Ableton does too. Does it? Okay, well, I'm... Yeah. Oh, wait. No, no, I'm sorry. I was remembering it incorrectly. Yeah. Similar, but like built into like every single compressor, not just the sort of native Ableton one. Ah, oh, cool. Hmm. So are you are you using Ableton for live performances or production? And I mean, you had mentioned Serato before, too. Mm-hmm. Like, what's if you're going live, what are you using? Yeah, I'm using uh, Ableton for production. Sometimes I'll hop on FL just because I have some old projects on it. Or if I'm like, uh, you know, trying to write something and I get pissed off at Ableton's piano roll. So I'll just do it in um, FL and, you know, Export the MIDI, but yeah, most of my stuff is in uh, Ableton. Um, if I'm DJing, I'll use Serato. Um, but what is you know, Serato for the uh, for the uninitiated? It's a DJ software. Um, you can vivid description. Yeah, it's just like a it's like the most common DJ software. I don't really know how to explain it other than that. I mean, you just load a song into you know, A, B, C, D, and just like transition. It it it's a DJ like software your, uh, that allows like for word. up to four tracks, and you can connect via USB uh, controllable decks, just like you would like a MIDI piano. So mm-hmm. you can have gotcha. uh, vinyl decks connected to your computer via USB, and then mm-hmm. control and mix your songs and scratch records just like you would if you actually had records. It's just mm-hmm. all software control. Nice. Yeah, it's all digital. Um, he, I feel like the what you could do you with could, it depends on like the type of controller you have as well. Gotcha. So like, what kind of controller are you running with it when you're playing out? I got a DDJ DDJSX. Uh, Pioneer one. Gotcha. Hmm. What's the numbers after that? I don't... You know, we don't need to get into that. <laughs> uh, we were actually, you know, Hero mentioned specifically he didn't want to talk about the numbers that came after. Yeah. Uh, numbers right, are right. to me. All right, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, uh, I should have I should have warned you about that before the podcast, Fattest. That was one of the three topics he told me not to talk about. It wasn't in your notes. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, I didn't. I didn't write that part down because I didn't want to talk about it. Yeah, but um, yeah, I just use that with uh, Serato. Um, sometimes I'll have Ableton running in the back with my uh, Launchpads control just to activate some uh, uh, SFX. Even though you could put it in Serato, but I want my setup right. to look cooler. So yeah, you want to get on your Maddie on shit. I get it. Yeah. Um, 
But when I was like performing with Ableton, I never, I think I did once. Um, I tried experimenting from doing it, from having a Ableton Live setup and going straight to Serato. I did that once. Uh, I had like a couple songs in Ableton and then I switched over to um, uh, Serato. That's, but that's the that's, only time I played it live. That's a weird setup right there. Like that, oh. the interface is awkward to do yeah. all that back to back. That's why I didn't really like, well, it was fun and cool because, you know, people could see me like pushing more than just fucking playing shit. But I had to right. like, set up, I had to like queue up my music in Ableton and edit it. It was a fucking pain. Um, and that's why I kind of like gave up on that Ableton live setup thing. I, I want to try to get back into it. Um, especially it feels like something you really need to build your workflow around for how you perform. Like you need to kind of completely rethink the way you do it and put a lot more time into your performance. It, exactly. Especially if you want to add more stuff. Like I tried um, putting in a MIDI keyboard into it and I was like, I can't fucking do this. So then I, you know, I just stuck with like my typical Maddie on setup with the two launch pads and yeah. a launch control XL. Um, I don't have his uh, X zone one or that he uses like a, a little tiny uh, mixer. It's like really small. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, his setup is, is so complicated. Like I, I don't think until recently someone actually like gave out the files on how to do it. You have to like download biome. And you have to uh, map out Ableton uh, to that mixer. So essentially, Ableton will become something like Serato, where you have a knob that'll like go up and down on on your files in Ableton, and you just like pick what you want, and you can even like you know, open other files and stuff. You have to pick songs, but if you do it that way, you can't queue up your music like through headphones, like you know, a normal DJ would. You have to have songs like already edited out and no where and when you want the song to end and come in. Um, right. If you listen to Maddie on sets, you can, you can, and if you like his, um, onboard session sets or, you know, the secret sky set, you could see him actually like, you know, queuing up the songs in, um, Ableton with the little knob and he's never wears yeah, headphones. Yeah. And you could tell like those songs are edited. At, like you, you have to like have it all like listed out and, I'm pretty sure he he knows what he's going to play and stuff. So that's something that I didn't want to do just because it would take up so much fucking time and have so much songs to do that every fucking time. I feel like a lot of DJs do that though. Like I feel like Mr. Bill does something similar with the amount of time he like says that he invests in getting his sets ready. Yeah. There's definitely people that have like their sets planned out. Like I'll have mine planned out sometimes um, on Serato and like most of the time you have cue points up, which is kind of like, you know, in Ableton. But I think with Ableton, you know, Manion's already like they're straight at it. you know, where in Serato you could set up cue points, like you just dump the song in there, right. you're queued up within your headphones and just hit cue, and there you go. I think I think one one facet of that thought would be, you know, an artist that's on tour versus somebody who is performing live as a dj in in a club or whatever mm -hmm. like uh you know those those guys are they're 
literally setting up a tour set list and they're going to use that yeah. forever, mm-hmm. you know, for the whole tour versus, you know, guys that are just rocking Serato and they're like, well, they want to hear this song. How can I mix this into what I'm currently playing? Yeah, yeah, totally. Tour shows. Um, this kind of reminds me of like an interesting thing I found, I found today when I was looking at pigments where you have a thing with their presets where you can save like a playlist of presets so that you have like an easier thing to like navigate like through, like you can set like your list of presets to the set you're playing. So you can very easily move from like synth preset to synth preset. That's very dope. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I thought that was like an interesting feature to put on a synth. Hmm. It's it's definitely geared toward, you know, live. Like, yeah. Yeah. You could mix between songs and have a MIDI keyboard. And if you're going right. to play live, you could have the synth that matches that song. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to kind of keep things moving a bit here, because we don't have a ton of time left. Um, I, I know we were talking about fraternities earlier, so I think it might be a good idea to get into cancel culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, your thoughts on it? I think that sometimes it's it's like fuck what's that word um politically motivated yeah it's definitely problematic but like politically motivated or um i feel like sometimes it's it's somebody that's trying to retaliate against someone else um i think i'm not here to say that uh space jesus did it or not but you know there's a page on instagram called uh evidence against space jesus and if you look at who owns it it's one of his ex-girlfriends one that you know people accuse of like you know not being like just being like obsessive towards him and stuff okay a crazy ex-girlfriend vibe is what you're what you yeah from her. yeah and what she's doing isn't wrong she's obviously giving people like a platform to come um and, and express their you know, experiences with them. But at the same time, it's like, don't you think that these girls could have come forward on their own? And why are you trying so hard to ruin this man's life when it's already ruined? Like a lot of people believe you already. You don't have to, you know, do this. And she started like calling out, um, other people as well which i don't think is fair just because you know they're just trying to bring up new like facts or evidence if it makes sense yeah i mean i i just i think that coming out with those kind of things is like kind of a difficult thing to do to like and that like oftentimes people like are have their voices amplified from those platforms because it kind of justifies them coming out in a way yeah would be weird for them on their own you know yeah definitely and you know i don't don't actually see that as a bad thing yeah it's definitely not a bad thing um but um yeah it's just like you know a lot of people are like oh dude why did you take so long for you to say something it's like you know when it happens to you, when something traumatic happens to you, well, I, I mean, it really depends on the situation, but, you know, sometimes right. people aren't aware that, you know, 
huh, that actually happened to me, you know? But then you all, I mean, you also have the thing where, you know, people on the internet might not believe you. Yeah. And think you're doing it for like political reasons or something. Yeah. Um, on that topic, I don't know if you know, like the Simpsons situation with like Apu. The problem with Apu. Yeah. I definitely think um, that that comedian had a, he had, he had something, I guess, on Simpsons, like a hundred percent. What do you elaborate on that? Yeah, what? Okay, so Hari you, Hari Kondabolu, let's talk. Yeah, so you, that comedian was saying how Apu is offensive. Um and I I feel like he had something against the Simpsons. I know the Simpsons like has like a lot of like s- smaller comedians and other people on their show. I think maybe like he tried to get on it, but he couldn't. Um but right. uh, it's just it just blows my mind how this guy was able to convince like the Simpsons and like a bunch of people to just uh, take up off the show. I mean, yeah, it, it's it's just I don't think it's a bad thing that a poo is voiced by a white person. I just think it's like probably at that time, you know, they didn't want to pay someone else to, you know, voice him. You know, why would you pay someone, you know, why would you pay someone else when this guy can, you know, do multiple voices, you know? I don't think that, yeah. I don't think I don't that know. was to be, you know, racist or anything. I mean, I think it's like a weird sort of line to walk. Yeah. I mean, like, especially when you have like things like, you know, like Alison Brie coming out, like talking about how she regretted pay, playing a character that she stopped playing, mm-hmm. you know, a year ago. Mm-hmm. I think, I think we're we're as a culture jumping into the line that uh, you know things like a poo are being canceled, even though they were intended to be stereotypical for humorous reasons. They weren't intended to be you know culturally insensitive. They were just entertainment and fun yeah and that's the thing that i don't understand is like him as a comedian should understand that and first of all apu isn't uh you know he's not your stereotypical you know middle eastern person he's actually a lot smarter than every other simpsons character on there you know and yeah there is, no agreed it's it, there, yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of characters on like south park that <laughs> Cancel yeah, culture think, would go right on after any time they give the chance. Yeah, that's that's what I, I the thing is is that like you know culture does like move and we have to like acknowledge it. You know, I mean, there's a reason like the comedies that are coming out, you know, aren't the same as they were, you know, ten years ago. You know, like mm-hmm. culture does like sort of move on, and we do kind of have to acknowledge that you know certain things like are like maybe in some way damning to the people that they, you know, parody, even if it is in jest. Yeah. And, you know, in for comedy. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing I don't understand. It's like, he went after the Simpsons, but why didn't he go after like family guy in South park? And that's where I was like, I think he's scared to like, he knows that these, these creators don't give a fuck and they'll just make fun of them, you know? And he was on track. Like bad 
and he was on uh, Trevor Noah. And, you know, Trevor Noah is bringing up some pretty good points of like, you know, um, how does he see him like offense? Basically what we're talking about. And he didn't know how to answer. Uh, I think his only response was, well, there is an idea of peop- of Middle Eastern people, you know, before 9-11 and after 9-11. And, and I agree with that. But it's not like Apu was, you know, s- super bad, you know? Like, he wasn't, like, a bad character. No, I I agree. I think the other half of it is that we're also approaching a time where no one is able to make fun of themselves. Yeah, it's it's going to everything's PC humor is going to be what TikTok is right now. What canceled? No, uh, how bad somebody is that sort of depends on, you know who you are right yeah if you if you watch like tiktok cringe there's some people that you know try to be funny but it's just it's just so bad it's like you can't even explain you can't even put it on into words like that's why i'm kind of scared it's like what does pc humor look like you know coming from an era in the early 2000s where people were constantly making fun of 9-11 and other races and Michael Jackson. I, I feel like it's it's gone less broad and more individual in terms of who we're poking fun at. And on one hand, I say we need, we need to all be able to laugh at each other. But on the other hand... Uh, when it when it starts to be individual what's that mean yeah people really need to distinct like distinguish what's a joke and what's someone's lifestyle like um uh i just want to give this example i just don't want it to come off like all right so for guy guy humor you know if you're like with the boys I know a lot of guys like to mess around like like you know like they just love each other like just like act like homosexual you know just you know uh, I feel like a lot of friends groups do that but it doesn't mean they're gay just because you say like um, like Dave Chappelle says you know racist joke but he's not a racist. No absolutely I think I mean I mean, so you you had mentioned, you know, plur the the peace, love, unity, and respect. Like, let's let's mm-hmm. get into that. Like, how how does that all affect all of us? Yeah, because the, the rave scene, it's like plur. Um, I've been to a couple concerts out of state, but I know here in DC, there's a lot of like plur people, especially at fucking festivals. Man, it's just. It's people that are like, oh, plur, but they think plur is just fucking, you know, being peaceful and drugs. But then you look at these plur guys at concerts and they're just being fucking assholes. They're like pushing into the crowd. They're like, you know, fucking tripping on drugs, alcohol, and they're just fucking ruining the experience for everyone. When in reality, you know, plur stem when like the first rave uh, warehouse raves came about. You know, and there was like a fight and then one, like some big DJ was like, uh, let's just use plur as a way to like, you know, keep the peace. So there's no more fights because, you know, 
this music is for dancing. It's for enjoying. It's not for, you know, drugs or fighting and all this stupid. And and that's what it's become. It's just become a culture where you know, these brands are like, oh, dude, let's sell them this rave stuff. You know, let's let's uh, let's do drugs and alcohol, dude. It's it's like it's like they say they're plur, but they're not aware of what they're actually doing to the people around them. I've like always gone to concerts and I've I've seen like people that are like wearing like the candy and like the rave outfits and, and they're like plur plur, but they're just being like fucking assholes. Well, okay, so what what is what does plur mean to you? I mean, is it is it a lifestyle or is it uh, a, a culture and something you witness at concerts? Like, what? How does that personally affect you? I think it's an excuse for people to, you know, just be like, oh, I'm a raver, you know. Sorry, I keep burping, but it's just. I think it's like a culture that's implemented into the rave scene. You know, that's not a real culture. It's just, it's just there. You know. So it's to you, it seems superficial, but like, I mean, do, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's peace, love, unity, and respect, right? Yes. So is that is that something that you strive to live by, or do you just view that as a as a culture? Uh, to be sold to people it's just something that people you know like companies sell to these ravers and what these ravers sell to themselves to make them feel like they're a part of the community when in reality it's like you know you could be a part of the community without having to you know be all plur and say plur because you know you're not living is there anyone that actually lives by those fucking codes like no like if you go to a concert if you're like oh i only live by plur when i'm in a concert yeah, I highly doubt that, buddy. No, right. Yeah, no, to totally agreed. Hold on. My, my. Yeah, it's like, you know, there's some really, really just like mess up people at concerts. Like, they that are like, oh, plur, no. I think there's there's messed up pizza or people at, <laughs> uh, I said pizza because we were talking about it earlier. <laughs> Uh, I think there's messed up people at, you know, any concert you go to, it's, it's thousands of people. Uh, yeah. Hypa are, Hypa, are you back or? Yeah, we can't hear you, but going off that, I mean like other concerts, like if you go to a rock concert, they're not like blur, you know, they don't have their own blur or anything. Yeah, no rock concerts tend to have, uh, lighters and, and marijuana and that's kind of about yeah. it. Yeah, and like even pop concerts, like you go see like what, like Post Malone or a rapper, they're not like plur, plur, no. Yeah, it's just rave. It's kind of hard to explain it. I think um, if you actually, you can see like multiple people, like in DC, like it's just, that's why I kind of stopped going to like concerts before the whole pandemic started. Just because I was like really fed up with some of the people that were there, you know, the pushing the the grabbing um of no, no i agreed i think i think there's actually a lot of uh you know we're talking we're talking about you know love and unity and respect and all that but mm -hmm. i think at concerts there's there's a lot of uh misogynistic behavior happening oh absolutely oh yeah there's this guy that always goes to um 
one of the clubs here and he's just always by himself he's like this tall adult and i don't i don't want to be like you know just like judge him by the way he looks but right. he's always like he always has dog on his hand he doesn't dance or anything he doesn't really pay attention he just stands there and then tries to go behind a girl and any guy that like is next to him or like you know is like you know the crowd's always moving so if the some dude just like accidentally like starts coming close to him he'll just like fucking shove him out of the way like he has to be behind a girl the whole time and he never says a single word i've never seen him talk to anyone i've seen him multiple times by the way he seems like very pervy i think would be the word to describe him yeah but again i've i've never talked to the dude so i wouldn't know i'm not going by the way he looks but you know right by what i've seen maybe pervy is the wrong p did we talk mm-hmm. about the P-L-U-R thing yet? Yeah. I, y- yes, we did, sir. We're good. That's right. What, did, what all did I miss? Um, <laughs> just about, like how, how Plur... Yeah. Plur doesn't mean what, you know, uh, these ravers think it means now. They're not living to what it actually, you know, originated as. Right. Which... I I have, I have no no reference to this. So yeah yeah no pluris pluris as as hero has explained a uh, kind of a, a pseudo acronym to be <clears throat> sold and lived by at concerts but not really in real life. Right. Yeah. Um, I would, I would definitely watch the trailer to XOXO. It's like a shitty Netflix movie. I would just watch the trailer, and you can understand like uh, where that plur kind of fits in, and how it, it seems kind of just something to be marketed toward these people. And you know, these people eat that shit up, you know, and then they go to concerts and they do all this stupid shit, and you know, just blame plur and stuff. Right. It's like it's become you know like marketed marketing like anything else. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's really dumb. That's why I don't like when these big artists say Plur 2, because it's like, I mean, let's say say someone like Datsik was over here screaming Plur all the time. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, that was kind of the whole problem with like Bass Nectar was the sort of way he was so vocal about that kind of thing. And then, you know, the the reality of him as a person. Yeah, see, that's why I don't think... You know, it's just something that's marketable. And, you know, I understand that, you know, people want to, people have the right to do drugs and go to concerts. It's your life. Me personally, it's like, if you're going to a concert and you're going to do like hella drugs um, and you're spending all this money and then you complain about not having any money, and you go to these festivals, concerts, do these drugs, and then you like can't remember it then what's the point of going to the concert in the first place? I mean, I think the euphoria you feel in the moment is like a thing, though. Yeah, with Molly, but if you're going to, like, get super fucking drunk and and high and you just black out... So you're you're not like a drug guy, are you? I've done Molly. I I smoke weed, you know, I, I drink, but I'm not like... I would say that I stick with my cost benefit thing. Okay. Yeah, so... Um, I've only you blacked like out. CBA on everything. Yeah, so I went to see Feed Me Nero, and I blacked out. Um, I didn't pass out or anything. I just don't remember anything. Like, don't remember anything. Um, 
I didn't, I didn't mean to, but it happened. And yeah. I was like, holy shit. I was just, I was just like impressed that, you know, I didn't fall or, or fucking pass out or throw up or anything. But I mean, there's, I could kind of see how, you know, sometimes, you know, people that do this, whether it's on purpose or on accident can, you know, fuck up someone else's experience there. That's actually trying to watch the show. Like I've a majority of the time I, I go like, I don't do anything. Sometimes I'll just drink and I get my, you know, experience ruined by someone else. I've gotten spit on. I've gotten thrown up on. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of the nature of just going out though. Right. Yeah. Particularly at a festival or concert. Yeah. yeah. That seems like kind of just like an occupational hazard almost. Not to like diminish your experience right anyway. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. Despite, but, despite clearly diminishing your experience. Yeah. But I definitely, like that time I blacked out at the Feed Me concert, I think that I was that guy that accidentally ruined the experience for someone. Yeah. But I mean, I think the reality is that, you know, more often than not, we've all kind of been that person. You kind of need to have like some respect for people to like do that once or twice as well. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I mean, if you see someone like blacking out at every party you go to, like maybe that's like a cry for help. Exactly. You know. Yeah. Someone having a bad night is someone having a bad night. Yeah. And I remember Moonrise. There's like so many people ODing and stuff. Sorry, I just keep burping. But yeah, uh, I remember I walked out, I think maybe this first or last day. And there was a guy like passed out in the middle of the fucking street and everyone's just crowded around him and you know, he wasn't moving. He was just like half that. Yeah, he was just there. Who was there? It's just some dude laying in the street, like oh. This dude I think was like ODing on something. I thought you were saying Nero was just laying in the street. Oh no. It's just some random guy and everyone's just crowding around him. It took a while for someone to call the ambulance because they're just watching him. And his friends were, I don't know if they were his friends, but instead of helping, his friends just started explaining his life story for some reason. Jesus. <laughs> they, were, they weren't quite Pretty sober themselves yet. Yeah, and then his friend was like, dude, his mom's going to kill him. And I'm like, um, yeah, if he lives. Jeez. So... So sp- speaking of feed me, uh, are are you a big fan of his, or he was just at the the festival or concert you were at? Oh yeah, I'm a big fan of feed me. He's the first person I saw live in New York. He's the first concert I went to. How do you feel about him um, including uh, some meme culture in some of his music, like one click headshot? <laughs> Oh, I I love that. Um, okay, so when I saw him, the time, oh, dude, definitely. I have my own little meme alias that I've had for the longest time, and it's like the only alias that I've actually stuck with, and I love it. Like, if if one day I make it, I'm bringing this alias with me because this I like. What well, when I made it. Um, I base it off Jack U and like duck sauce. What is, what is it? What is it for the for the people who don't know what it is? Which it's is called Jun Yu. I okay. I, do, I don't really like um, you know showing other people just because it's it's something that's like it's just something I made for like me and my friends. We've shown other people and they've like laughed and stuff, and it's it's 
public it's it's out there um but uh when we me and my when i first got got into producing um i was making like trying to make different genres just to practice and i was like practicing um different techniques like you know messing with reverb and you know creating complex beats and um sampling and all this stuff um and every song that you know i practice on that i didn't that was just for practice or, you know, I was trying to make a serious song and then I was like, I can't fucking do this. I would recycle into that. And then I would record my friends on Skype and just, you know, like mess with the vocals and stuff and, you know, put that in the songs. And right. It, a lot of them came out really, really funny. Um, it's like something we only show like people that we actually like know in person just because they'll understand our humor and, like had enough time with this today so they'll understand it a little bit more but some of the stuff that um that i learned from there like i i definitely bring into the stuff that i work on now and what i did was i got like other meme stuff like from meme videos and i put them in the songs um like every song at the end of one of these songs had a had like a me i don't know if you ever heard duck sauce's album no um at the end of their songs, they've had like, you know, like not a meme, but like something they made like uh, on one of their songs, it's like a fake phone call they put in. So I was doing putting like, you know, filthy Frank stuff, uh, you know, skits from Cha. I think I think I mean, their their whole yeah. Barbara, Barbara Streisand song was a meme song in general. Yeah, but mine wasn't like on that level of good. Mine was just stupid. And I just put like stupid stuff at the end of every song. Um, and I think, have you seen the Needle Drops review of uh, Filthy Frank's um, uh, Pink Eye album? That was like a parody meme review. I, I have not. Uh, I sampled that and like took out Filthy Frank and just put Judy on it. And I, I thought that was pretty fucking funny. I don't know why, but. This was like a long time ago, but I definitely want to make like a volume two of it just because now I can actually make stuff that's, you know, good. So, um, I guess speaking of end- endings to things that are uh, maybe nonsense, uh, would you like to go into like your track breakdown? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I was, I'll send this later. Um, I started working on this one a couple of days ago. I was going to send another one, but I was working on this one. I really, really like it. So I based this off like uh, Petite Biscuit. I don't know if you guys know who he is. Um, So it's more like future pop stuff. Um, uh, Do you guys know what the, what did I use? Okay. it's, It's like all serum. Uh, so what I did was for serum, I put a pad over here. Um, I think it's a preset that I fucked with and put a filter on it and it plays through. Okay. Now my fucking Ableton wants to. Hold on. Connection problems just everywhere. Yeah. So I made like, um, like a filtered pad on it um to make it sound really ambient i put a little calm lake sound and some rain and i took the vocals from the midnight sunset that little intro that that girl said 
I put that and put like a lot of reverb on it. Nice. Yeah, it's just fill up that intro with the pad. And then uh, the chords that I got for the pad, I put it into a new MIDI with um, a serum and I got a pluck and I put an arpeggiator on it and edit it with a filter as well. So it all builds up. And I got a guitar sample that I got from this lo-fi pack. And I put uh, a bunch of reverb on it. So it's like super fucking ambient. Um, Do you guys know Tycho? Lizzo? Tycho? Tycho, yes. I love Tycho. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like a Tycho guitar sounding beat. Or guitar, not beat, my bad. And then for the snare, I just got like a like a regular like hip hop trap snare, and I just EQ'd it to kind of give it um what's that word that people use? Oh fuck, I forgot. But oh, well, I think it, I, I think it it's the function. I think it's uh, called a tonal a tonal snare. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So I turned it into that. Put a a bunch of reverb on it. I think I layered it with like uh, another perk. So it's like it just sounds like super. Uh, fuck my bad. So it's like it sounds just like a like a wooden block just like being slammed down, but it's like not too harsh. And it's just like you know the reverb really makes it you know stretch out, even though it's like a really small snare. And, gotcha. Yeah. Sorry, I'm not really good at ex- explaining it. Well, I mean, it's fine. We can, like, you know, we can talk about literally anything else. There's so many topics we haven't covered. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I can just talk about like the art stuff. Because to me, like, I mean, like, talk about like what your like songwriting process is like, what, like, what gets you to like write it, like, have the impetus, like, write a song as opposed to just sort of um, what I like to call like masturbating with synthesizers. Uh, um, you know it's I pick like an artist or a song that I really want that I really like and I'm like not try to recreate it but try to do something with my own take on it so I'll start off with chords um, or like if I have like any other like extra midis like sometimes I'm just like writing chords or melodies and I'll I'll just you know recycle them um, or if I like find like a sample, like this song came because I found this guitar sample. So I just build around it. So I build the chords around it and then the bass and then the arp. Um, yeah, so basically like that, if I either find a sample or, you know, I listen to a song or an artist, I like, you know, I really like the song and I can try to recreate it. Or if I find like a vocal chop that I could, that I like f- can mess with and they can make a drop out of it. Yeah, have you ever worked with like vocalists or anything? Uh, I did. I have like this one really nice future pop song, and I tried finding a vocalist for it in one of like the other servers. Only one guy came forward, but it just—I don't—I don't want to be mean, but it just wasn't good. Like. He he was able to sing in key, 
but I feel like it just it just didn't fit for some reason. Right, it just, like didn't work with the song. It didn't work for the song. Yeah. Yeah, I think we. So I was talking with someone about like how to sort of navigate that because I think that's like a weird mm-hmm. thing to navigate for people, mm-hmm. especially at like kind of the level we operate at. Is to like yeah. how to like tell like a vocalist like no this isn't this isn't doing what I want it to do, or mm-hmm. to how to like learn how to like kind of guide them in the right way. Yeah, it was the first time I ever worked as a vocalist, so I was, I just never responded to him. Well, rough, but I mean, have you oh, I would try like doing any vocals on your own. No, I can't sing, but I, 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 I didn't go so I was just like, I was like, oh yeah, I'll see what I could do with it, and then they responded. But yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe I could find someone that could. I mean, I have a lot of friends that you know rap, but. I don't want to be like, yo, rap to this beat. Cause I mean, if I'm making like a rap, I don't really make like, you know, hardcore rap beats. Like just like, it's like one you'd hear on the fucking radio. I feel like mine's would be a little bit too complex or they wouldn't know. They wouldn't feel it, you know? Right. Yeah. Cause if I'm, if like, I have like some like rap beats, you know, just cause you know, I'm making like future trap and, and pop and stuff. Um, I'll be like, if I was a rapper, I wouldn't be able to rap to this, you know? Yeah, and no, I've definitely had that problem. The one time I tried working with a rapper and I like gave him something that I, I thought was like very rappable. And then like, they were like, this, this doesn't work at all. Like, I have no idea what to do with this. Mm-hmm. And you think as a rapper, you want to try to, because you can see a lot of rappers that are so, they're pretty versatile. Oh, for sure. But I also think that, like, you know, there's some rappers that don't rap to like a typical rap beat. They could rap to like a four on the floor. Right. But I think also you have to sort of like think about like what someone's wheelhouse is, you know, and sort of plays you play to like that. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely like a a line to walk, if you will. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I maybe don't know. Maybe. Why I just like I like when I like sing on some of my stuff, and that's something mm-hmm. I've done in the past, and we'll probably be doing a lot more of kind of in the future. Is like I really have to like write very specifically to that voice, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't really like putting like like full on acapellas in my song as much as I would like to. I just I don't know. I really want to, but I just can't. I can only do like vocal chops. Gotcha. So you're uh, you're pro vocal chop then? Yeah. I think that there is like a growing anti vocal chop movement. People are sort of kind of looking at it in the same way mm-hmm. that like they looked at they look at like sidechain now, which is like mm-hmm. I think sidechain is like becoming a lot more controlled than maybe the way it was back in the complexo era, where it was just so aggressive. Hmm. Yeah. I I. I like I have a shit ton of fucking side chain on on my thing. Like uh, on the drop for the chords, it's not just a side chain on like every kick. It's on every kick, plus every first bar. Oh, so you have like a more aggressive side chain at like the beginning of every like. Yeah, bar. yeah. Just because um, I wanted uh the chords sort of like bounce, like dip up and down, sort of like a future bass song. Right, right. 
yeah. Um, that way, like, I could also, like, give room to, like, the base and uh, the perks. But, yeah. That makes sense. I mean, I, I, tr I mean, I'll, I'll do, like, two or three side chains on something. Mm -hmm. But I tend to try to be as subtle as possible with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I like it when it, like, like dips pretty low. I, I don't know why. Well, I guess it really I mean, I depends. Think yeah. It depends on the sound, right? Like, if you're, like... If you have like a very static pad sound, for example, like I think you were mm -hmm. talking about, like you wanted to do that side chain because that's where the movement and the sound is coming from. Yeah. But if you have like, you know, like your main element is like a super aggressive bass with like the song I was working on a lot this past week mm -hmm. for our like EP song competition on the server here, mm -hmm. like I want the side chain to be as little as possible. I want to like. Yeah. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah, um yeah, just like side chain compress. But yeah, it's just like when I'm when I'm compressing, I I always try to at least give it some like rhythm to it. And, right. Yeah. Especially well, I don't I don't like making future I gave up on trying to make future bass and rhythm and dubstep. Just, Why was that? I, I I just couldn't do it. I don't know why. I just gave up. I think rhythm is too. It's too dependent on sound design. Um, I had the rhythm. I just couldn't get the sound design right. So I kind of gave up. Um, I think I only have one rhythm song that I think sounds decent, but I'm I'm definitely. It's probably gonna end up like on my junior alias just because I put like um Anthony Fantano like cuck boy sample into it. Love it. The melon. Yeah. It's just like when he screams cuck boy. So when he likes you know like the void meme where it just like completely distorts the fucking sound. Sorry, was that last part? Uh you know like the like the void memes where they'll get a sound and then like at the very end it'll just like distort. I'm honestly not familiar with those. I'm not what, my what, meme what game isn't amazing right now. <laughs> are you are are you talking about the like the heavy bass distortion or like the echo distortion or what because like the, the the memes are going all over the place with their audio distortion? Yeah, it's like the um uh I'd have to open it again. Yeah, because they're, they're different void ones. It just gets louder. It just gets louder, and they just put like a bunch of reverb on it. Okay, so not 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 the not the heavy bass where you yeah can't not hear not, anything distortion. Yeah, it's not that one. It's not that one because it's pretty clear. So I got that, and um, so like builds up, and then it's like, oh shit, what up, cuck boy? But it's like elongated and then i chopped it up and i chopped it up to the beat to the uh inch the ugh, the beginning of the growl so it like fits it and then you know goes to the drop i get that i actually had a i had a challenge that i just from a friend that i didn't complete uh to take the 
the Paul Rudd scene where he says with my dick a whole bunch of times mm-hmm. and make that into an EDM remix. And I started it, but I never finished it. Oh, well, I think I, we need to do after this, we someone needs to do a uh, mix of Hero talking about shitting on things and um, transitioning. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I hope someone does that. I would love you if someone did that. Yeah, I think someone do that, please. Yes, I think I think we could we could take that audio and then take in the the not another team movie. No one's ever shit on my chest. And that'll be the transition right there. (laughs) Yeah, but I also like working with like little meme stuff. Actually. Yeah, I actually have like a, a couple of stuff that I just trash and turns into June stuff. I have like uh, the one where the dude's yelling at the dog. So I like I made a beat out of like dogs barking. Well, ho- hold on, which which dude yelling at a dog? That's a very generic meme title right there. It's like this guy, like his dog's like like next to the couch, and this guy's yelling at his dog, and he's like on the dog, and he's like barking at him. And the dog's like scared and he just keeps barking at him and he's like, I'm the alpha dog. Look, I've, I feel like I've done that. I like that's like so, a common life experience. Yeah. So I just got like random. Ever, you guys ever Wait, see that movie Elf? Of oh, course. Yeah. yeah. Will Ferrell at its greatest. Here, do you have any thoughts on that movie? Yeah, that's Elf was my code word, me and uh, my girlfriend's code word for, uh, you know, doing it. So we were like, oh, we want to watch Elf. So, <laughs> oh, I see. It, but was it was it also a safe word? Uh, no, it should have been. It's because for a while it was a picture of my friend. So we'd like I'd be like, all right, so whenever we want to do it, we just send this picture of my friend. And then it became elf, and but never a safe, never a safe word. Yeah, never a safe word. What was your safe word then? Uh, oh, he actually has one. This is it getting interesting. No, I don't. I was just trying to like come up with something extremely stupid, but I didn't want it to be too stupid. I remember like pineapple. I don't know if it was like a thing because of like where I was at culturally, or I'm an idiot not pick up preference. But pineapple was a big one. When I was in high school. Hmm. Yeah, I don't really know anyone that's like had a safe word. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I didn't ever have one, but if I were to, it would be Flugen Kin Kin Khan. And that's see, a that's movie too reference. Much. Yeah. Like, I think I, I've used pineapple like legitimately in my life, I think. Whenever I've like needed that kind of. Auditory cue. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, just, I haven't done like crazy stuff. So, like, what's like the craziest like thing you've done then? Sexually? Oh, fuck. I think I, I would do it in public a lot, especially at school. That's pretty cool. Oh, wait, yeah. wait, 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 wait. High school, college? Like, what Col- school? College. Or... Okay. College. <laughs> like, hold on. Okay. So, this is like all, is this like in public, in public, or is this like, car like parking lot sex 
Yeah, it was that one like a couple of times in the car. Uh, sometimes in in like one of the like the academic buildings. And one oh, time sick. was was in the girls' bathroom, but it wasn't in a stall. It was just right there in the girls' bathroom. Like the door wasn't locked or anything. Like any girl could have just walked in and see me there. I definitely like walked in on like that kind of thing more than I like to admit in college. I've never like walked in on someone doing it, but I could hear it a lot. Oh, I 100% walked into bathrooms where someone was receiving head in a stall. <laughs> I've only like, I've walked in once um, late at night and there's a dude like passed out under, like in the stall. He was like on the floor. Like I could see him like, uh, yeah, I, I saw the video, but he's just like there, like passed out with like his ass cheeks hanging out. And we had a call like, um, my roommate was the RA. So I called, I went to the room and I was like, I was like, yo, you, you're gonna have to call someone because there's a dude like passed out in the bathroom. So uh, campus police had to come get him with like an ambulance. And I thought it would be funny to put on my police costume and walk out as the police were there. And like the little security officer was fucking yelling at me to go back to my room. <laughs> that backfired real quick, didn't it? <laughs> That's awesome. <Yeah. laughs> I was like, I was like, all right, I'm here to help. But it was like. Uh, if you watch Stranger Things, it was like Hopper that I had like as a co- Halloween costume. So like I was wearing that out, and she like yelled at me to go back into my room. Oh, that's awesome! So, what's your best, uh, you know, you're about to get it on song. What's your playlist? My playlist. I have a playlist called "Songs I Eat Your Ass To." And it's just well, like, hold on, hold on. Say, say that songs I eat ass to. Is that what that was? No, uh, songs to eat your ass to. Yeah, he's nah. doing the ass eating. Okay. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, <I can't. laughs> yeah, so I just put like a bunch of like, you know, chill stuff in there. Yeah, the type of stuff you eat ass to. How, how does that differ from uh, what you usually listen to and what you produce? Um, it's a lot of like instrumentals like Tycho or, you know, put Odessa, like uh, some of Kyogo's old remixes, like his uh, sexual healing one. Just like a lot of chiller stuff. And then I think I have like throwing elbows in there too. Just so like, if it plays while doing it, just like just, go to the just, beat. Just to, just to have the safety word ready and ready to go. Yeah. The safe word is throwing elbows. Nice. Oh, this is something interesting to bring up. Um, you guys found that as you sort of, you know, grow into your sexual maturity, you find you're less listening to sex or less listening to music while you're fucking and more like listening to pornography while you're fucking. That was actually me for a little bit, but I don't know. I'd rather look at the girl than a screen at like a weird angle. Well, I mean, you're doing both. Unless you have like a severe case of like tunnel vision, which, you know, in case that's totally fine. I'm sorry for, you know, being ableist toward you. No, I would definitely do it with VR goggles though. That'd be kind of cool. How do you feel about producing with VR goggles though? Dude, that would be fucking awesome. Is that even a thing? 
I think it is. I think people are working on that. Dude, that'd be I fucking think, awesome. Yeah, I think I saw something the other day about uh, you could do the the um, track view in Ableton, but not the not the actual like plugin VST stuff yet. Hmm. Right, right. I think that's what I saw as well. Dude, that'd be awesome. But yeah, I mean, I think um, what you call it. VR pornography is like the future, though. Yeah, especially, uh, you know, you buy like a once um, the sex dolls get really cheap. Yeah, those things are uh, very expensive and incredibly strange, I think. (laughs) Have you guys ever had a flashlight? No. (laughs) Are you a big flashlight guy? I had one. But was it like a was it like a specific model? Like was it like modeled after a certain person or anything? Yeah, I think Jesse Andrews and my roommate had like uh it was like a it was it went from the boobs all the way down. It was like just like you know the mid body part and it had like boobs and a butthole and a vag hole. Yep. Yeah, that was like really heavy too. Yeah, those things are like I don't know. There's like a very, very funny, but like useful pornography about like where like a girl like switches herself with one of those to get fucked by her uh, stepbrother. Oh, I think I've seen that actually. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll raise one up here. Um, I've had a, I've, I've had a friend that would take a pool noodle and then one of those, uh, like those squishy balls that had the, like, like the kids' toys. You know what I mean? Yes, he was yeah. playing with children's toys. Hypa, hold on. Let me get through the story. He would cut that toy open, flip it over the inside of the pool noodle, and then put that between his couch cushions. And that was his flashlight. Jesus, it's dedication, isn't it? Yeah, I would never use like me and my room would never like use a flashlight. We just had them and would like, you know, mess with them. Like, I think we put like the flashlight like like as a sock or something, and, and like a glove, or just like whip it around. It bas- basically they became weapons. All right, so they became weapons for like fighting each other with your penises. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm hearing too. I'm I'm hearing some some justifications. One time, I put like a bunch of McChickens in like the the torso one, and we tried to run it over with my friend's jeep, but it like stopped it. Well, that certainly stopped, but put to the end of the momentum there. So uh, I think that's a good note to end on. We've gone quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, any other words? Where can people find you, Hero? Yeah, uh, on fuck uh, Mixcloud. I'm banned on SoundCloud, so you're ba- banned on SoundCloud. Yes. What's what's the story there? I I, I, yeah, I need I to hear I want to hear that story, but do you have a Spotify as well? No, I don't have a Spotify. I have a band camp, but I forgot my login and I forgot the uh, 
fucking username. So I have to upload, re-upload everything onto a fucking new one. Um, but on Bane, oh fuck, Mixcloud, it's Hero, but I think the O is, fuck, let me look it up. Sorry. People will be able to see the, see the name from when I post the podcast. Yeah. So it's H it's hero, but instead of a O it's a zero underscore. And there's just like a mix there and I was going to upload more, but yeah, I'll have to make a new, um, uh, band camp just cause, um, I, it's been so long because I got banned on SoundCloud for because I kept posting uh, like edits from like other songs oh, and, during that whole thing. Yeah. And I kept getting copyright strikes. So, uh, yeah, I got banned. And I was like, I'm fucking done with SoundCloud. And I was getting tired of getting like a bunch of those fake accounts. But like, oh, hey, I really like this song. Do you want to eat my ass or something? Well, I think that's a good note to end it on. Eating ass with Hero and Vadis. Yep. Live fast, eat ass.